0: This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Overlord.
1: I've played that game on my Macintosh. It's called Overlord 3D. FPS, baby. Help!
0: We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is...
1: Abe, hello! This isn't hey a night
0: nice episode. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's,
1: it's a regular, regular episode, episode, but we're going to go off the rails.
0: Yeah. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics. Jump into a mostly spoiler story- <laughs> review. Jump into a mostly review review. bop bop And then jump back into other film movie topics. Uh, this is episode 343. 343.
1: Three four three. Whoa, that's a nice palindrome.
0: Yeah, we did we did it. We got yeah. the one. Not bad. Yeah, and this week we're talking Overlord along with a number of other movies that Abe's happened to catch up with recently. That's correct. Yeah, um, this is kind of a throwback episode. Cause it's just you and I this week.
1: Uh yeah yeah no I mean we uh as we change the format of the show <laughs> I'm just like going to like non 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 sequitur tangents like as we change the format of you the show know, we're gonna have more like you know one on one cell interviews. But, oh, no, yeah, this is definitely a throwback where, uh, we're recording this late, late at night, and also later in the week. So we definitely, uh, needed to get something up. And I always like talking to you.
0: Well, good. <laughs> I like talking to you too. But, um, we don't need yeah, no, no
1: guests like Marcus. Who needs Marcus?
0: Oh, well, yeah. I heard you, Marcus. You, <laughs> you've been in and out on some episodes. So I know you've cut up with some things. Yeah. Um, and I know you've, you've, you've like just freshly cut overlord, correct?
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have like another coming in hot take.
0: Yeah. And uh, my lovely girlfriend and I, who's currently nearby, uh, we just got back from the AFI Film Fest where we were able to catch a film as well. So we're going to talk about a lot of things uh, this evening. Very cool. Uh, Yeah. Uh, But let's um, let's get to some uh, show notes real quick. Uh, First up uh it's a new month so there's gonna be a new commentary actually abe you're always like the last to know when it comes to these commentary tracks like,
1: <laughs> what I do you mean to... i know that well, we have them my... every month it's just sometimes i, I can't be on them <laughs> no, I,
0: I know that's why i tend to plan them out with brandon first before he <laughs> <laughs> could to you uh,
1: <laughs> but
0: our, our plan uh, is going to be to talk toy story uh this month because you're back in, in town before. Yeah, the toys are back in town. Exactly, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, so that's going to come up at some sometime before Thanksgiving. That is. By the way, a,
1: a quick tangent: uh, that trailer for original Toy Story back in like what nineteen ninety seven? It came out in five, so ninety five. Yeah, they're, they're, they they had that song "Toys Are Back in Town," and I remember I listened to the the soundtrack, and I was really disappointed that the song is not on the soundtrack.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's me with Starship Troopers and not hearing Blur's song too,
1: and uh, a lot of people. <laughs> and, and then I learned of this man named Randy Newman, and I asked myself, why does he sound like he's joke singing? And then I've, loved, I've come to really, uh, you know, become really endeared, endeared to Randy Newman. He's an American classic, treasure. I,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So, yeah, new commentary track that's coming soon. Um, what else? All of our horror episodes, those are up. That's over yeah. now. Um, we have, uh, some other stuff we'll get to in later episodes, I guess. Uh, let's go to this. Uh, Stan Lee passed away. this um, is true. I want to make note and of that.
1: Rest in Paradise, sir. Yeah, uh, 95.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, Made a lot of,
1: uh, amazing comics, a lot of drawings, a lot of ideas, and, uh, I was actually really happy to see that he got to see a lot of the movies. Um,. Or at least, you know, a lot of his work turned into movies. Uh, and I'm glad that he was able to make appearances and cameos and, and, uh, almost all of them.
0: Yeah, for sure. He's, you know, he's been a, a big presence in the, uh, the MCU and everything and then a, a big face of Marvel. Obviously, you know, there's many other comic artists and whatnot that of deserve course. plenty of credit as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Stan Lee was certainly a friendly face for many to kind of latch onto. And it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it, well, it's the end of an era to a point. As certainly, his legacy will live on. So, uh, Excel here, that, it excels here, indeed. Um, and you know, given that we talk about all these superhero films and whatnot, it is you know, I, I figured it makes sense to to uh, just point out that yeah, he was a, a big part of things, and uh, he's uh, he's passed on now. Mm-hmm. But uh, what else? Uh, well, the last thing we do here before we wrap up the uh show notes, iTunes reads the ratings, good to get those, helps out our show, helps us be able to find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search right there in a name, give us a reading and review, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, hopefully it's uh hopefully it's five stars. But if it's not, then uh, you know, we've got some work to do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and you know, we've got to make some changes if it's not five stars, right? I suppose. Yeah.
0: Um but yeah, all right, let's move on. Let's get to know everybody. We're each we ask each other a question or two, try to tell the tone for the podcast, we better get to Hello, everybody? everybody. Hey, do you, have a, do you
1: have
0: a question?
1: I do have a question. My question revolves around Kurt Russell. And my question is Do you feel as though Kurt Russell has passed on his acting genetics to his son Wyatt?
0: I would say. <laughs> I like Wyatt Russell. I will say that. Yes, same here. Uh, I I think there is – I I guess I got to see more of him to see if, he's, if there's much like channeling of um specifically Kurt Russell. Like I'll say, like I watched Black Klansman again uh, this past weekend, and I could see a lot of Denzel in John David Washington.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, is
0: he whether or not he's channeling him? I'm not sure, but I mean,
1: I mean, is he, they're he, they're all their own people too. I, I guess I, yeah. I mean, the reason why this comes up is because. Obviously, coming out of Overlord, I was like, oh, I like some of these shots. It reminds me of, like, um, uh, John Carpenter-styled Kurt Russell. Uh, so I was like, oh, I like this. Because, you know, we've seen him basically grow on the screen. We saw him in, uh, uh, what's that one uh, Richard Linklater movie?
0: Everybody Wants some Everybody
1: Wants him. where he's like, you know, the skinny California kid. And I've seen him in, in other uh, small, small part films. But uh, yeah, for this one, he's looking like his dad, and he's kind of like saying some gruff stuff like his dad did. Uh, so I was like, oh, I wonder. I, I I do need to see more though. But I like where Yeah, he's
0: I mean, going. there's like a there's an there's a there's a charisma you can't play. There's a the kind of thing that Kurt Russell and like Jeff Bridges they have where yeah. it's hard to replicate that. So it's like. I wasn't quite. I'm not quite there with Wyatt Russell, but I do sure. like seeing Wyatt Russell. Like I am. A, I'm a fan of of his in movies and TV stuff. Like that he pops up and is like, oh cool, he's here. Yeah,
1: he's part so. of that TV show that apparently is really good, by the way. Uh yeah, this where one, it kind of like takes you for a spin. You think it's like a comedy, but it actually is a drama or something.
0: Yeah, Lodge Lodge 49. Yes, on that NBC, one. Which I didn't watch. My dad watched it actually. I didn't, I want. We're I'm gonna, gonna have
1: to like, have a dad's movie corner.
0: It's just a matter of time. I could have a dad's movie corner. He. What did he just see? He saw. He saw First Man and he really liked it. Was, by Nimax? Uh, not Nimax, no, okay. but he still really liked it. He was a big cool. fan.
1: We're uh, going to talk more about First Man uh, coming up later.
0: you we'll get to that. I have a question for you. <laughs> yes. Do you hate Nazis? Of course I do. Yeah, see that's but, easy, that's so, easy to say, right? That's no, e- is that, that's an easy I answer. Mean,
1: yeah, it's easy because <laughs> the thing is I was sitting in like in a semi-packed theater watching uh, watching uh oh, whatchamacallit oh, uh overlord okay. and when you know when they started uh, shooting at these nazis everyone started like cheering and i was like yeah see this is how we should feel
0: <laughs> it doesn't seem like a hard like, answer
1: it sounds know? so like nationalistic for us to be like you know yeah fuck the nazis but yeah really <laughs> fuck the nazis
0: <laughs> it just when you get that question doesn't seem like there needs to be much words to mince there Yes, you hate Nazis. That's that's it. That's the that's the end of that question.
1: I've seen enough movies to know that they're the bad guys. And, I don't even need
0: to see movies and to know, I know they're
1: the bad street. guys.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my question. It was pretty well, straightforward.
1: Yeah, uh, political question there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's outta <how> no quickies. <laughs>
1: Tm, why did you say outta
0: Sorry, that's how you, sorry. <laughs>
1: this is how good we are because you said outta quickies and I automatically said Tm.
0: No, because I looked down at my notes and I, I jumped in. That's how you play. Show for
1: seven years, you still
0: need notes. That's how you play.
1: <laughs> no, know everybody. Know
0: everybody. Let's move on. Let's get to our let's get to our trailer talk for the week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is where we're gonna go. So the newest movie trailers of the week. What we thought of them when they're coming out and what have you. We've got a couple here. One that I'm really looking forward to, and one that I'm very I I have other thoughts on. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's let's talk about this first one, which is Missing Link. The latest film from Leica, the stop animation, the stop motion animation studio that Abe and I are huge fans of. Right. Uh, we very much champion all of their films, uh, "Paranormal Forever." Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, this uh, this latest one uh, features uh, Zach Galifianakis as Missing Link, <laughs> Mister Link, the uh, like a a Sasquatch type character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film also has Hugh Jackman, Zoe Saldana, Timothy Oliphant, and Emma Thompson um hey what'd you think of this trailer
1: you had me at Leica, and because you had me at Leica, i already kind of automatically really enjoyed and loved the, the trailer and i hope that the movie holds up to some of the the stuff that i really like about Leica, which is that they tend to make stories that are universally known but also they like to take some chances in their stories as well so i'm curious to see what's going to happen but as far as the animation goes um well not animation all the all the um that motion stuff goes, this one looks really clean. At, at some times, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if they use any sort of computer animation here as well, but it looks a lot cleaner than um, even their most recent one, Kubo and the Two Strings, where that one moved pretty fluidly, but you could still see some thumbprints, and in this one, whenever they're showing the, the Sasquatch chest hair, I was like, oh, hmm, they're very, very clean here. But uh, the other thing that I was surprised to see, Annapurna. Uh, so you see Leica with Annapurna Pictures, with this, um, and it's not—it's not a bad thing. It's just more of, oh, well, that's an interesting combo because those are both uh, studios. Well, one's a distribu- just distributor, I suppose, but I, I like what Annapurna distributes, and I, I would like what uh, Leica creates. So, on the whole, I'm, I'm down for it. I especially like that they are. Looks like they're going to Nepal, so or the Himalayas. But um, glad to see some uh, some Asian faces there. So yeah, I, I'm a fan. Yeah,
0: this is part of a new deal where Annapurna is, is uh, going to be a, a big part of their di- distribution model, um, and I can only hope that it, like that works out in the favor of both studios as far as like of uh, being a critically acclaimed stu- studio that keeps churning out really good movies and Annapurna being a you know a distribution company that also releases very good movies. Uh, hopefully, it will be fortuitous to both of them. Um, as far as this movie goes, yeah, I can't wait. It's from Chris Butler, who directed Paranorman, Paranorman, by the way,
1: um,
0: which is my favorite Leica films. Uh, So it's like, yeah, cool. He's doing another one of these. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, no, it certainly it has a a big comedy vibe going for it. And while I, I, I don't doubt that there will be, you know, more layering of messages to go on i get that you know a trailer has to sell a certain vision and to be like to be like let's sell all the societal commentary we plan to show it probably wouldn't go well in a trailer um so i, I i'd, I'd look, line up to go see that i yeah
1: but i i get
0: what the logic is <laughs> I like i
1: i, we I, I don't like, to the general audience
0: i'm not hoping that they still have that because i'm just assuming they do but i look forward to seeing what that is i guess mm-hmm. what they what they plan to do as far as this fantastical idea of this cast and what else they pr- plan to bring to it Sure. Um, so yeah, I I am very excited for Mystic Link. Um, and yeah, the animation looks great. I like I like the I, I like I think Zach Galifianakis is a real talent. Like, uh, I do. Too. I, I, think, I mean, you and I, I, think, I love Baskets. Yeah, I think Baskets is a, a a terrific show as far as being both a comedy and one that's like about nuanced character work. Um, and so when Galifianakis signs up, especially now. I mean, when he was ascending into popularity with the Hangover films and whatnot, you know, you get like a due date or whatnot. And it's like, OK, this guy's, you know, he can be funny. At the same time, there's a pathos that he brings to roles that I think is really admirable to see. And I so agree, him, yeah. Him in a like a film seems like a perfect fit like as far as being funny as well as having this kind of undercurrent going on. So,
1: Yeah, and, you know, I Zach, I think in some, uh, some interview I've seen with him fairly recently. It might have been a Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I mean, he's, he's he's reached the point now where he's he can turn down work where, when he wants, so if he's mm-hmm. looking at this film and he's reading the script for this and thinking to himself, yeah, I want to be part of it, then I'm all for it, too, because I agree that he reminds me a little bit of the way that Robin Williams' R.I.P. used to be as well, which is, you know, Robin is a serious dramatic actor um, who just has to also be insanely funny, um, and one is not better than the other, but... You know, was I surprised to see him blow away theater audiences when he was in Goodwill Hunting? No, because I'd seen stuff like Dead Poets Society, right? Uh, where he has played these things. Or, you know, if you watch something like The Birdcage, where he's got to play dual roles, um, great, you know? So, Zach doing what Zach does best, uh, which is make audiences laugh, but also he's got, uh, he's got a story to tell. Mm
0: yeah. Well, Missing Link arrives in theaters April 12th, 2019. It's too far we away. We've got some time. Um, so let's move on to the next one. This trailer <laughs> okay. hit just recently. and Yep. So it is Pokemon colon Detective Pikachu. <laughs> My question right away is, so he's a detective?
1: I mean, you know, who isn't, right? By the way, is there a colon? I don't know if there's a yeah. colon. yeah
0: it's pokemon colon detective pikachu
1: i believe you imdb de- says otherwise
0: i mean right? it wouldn't be three where i use wikipedia it's more legitimate than imdb abe
1: oh right it's called the internet movie database
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh no to answer your question why why can't he be a detective
0: i don't know i'm just surprised he's a detective <laughs>
1: I think that there actually are, and I don't know the Pokemon universe, if uh, there, Manish or somebody who is very, I don't know why I called that Manish. There is
0: a game. I'm aware there's a game. It's no, very no, no. yeah, yeah.
1: But, I mean, like, you know, there's so many spinoffs of the game, too. Of what does that mean? Is Charizard own... a
0: scuba diver? Like, what's yeah, going on? Yeah,
1: exactly. Why not? Why can't Charizard? I mean, he, he's, a, he's a fire Pokemon, so he might not want to be in the water, but.
0: Don't deny him his dreams, Abe.
1: <laughs> um...
0: It's pretty I, specious I, of you. He's a fire just, dragon, so he can't go I, in the water. I know.
1: I, I only know the things off of partial watching. People think I'm being uh, a, a jerk here, but no, I, I, I actually never really caught on to the show, nor the the Game Boy games. But um, Aaron, what would you think of the trailer? <laughs> it seems <laughs> as though you're kind of amused and and confused by
0: it. I am amused because he's a detective. <laughs> he has a hat. <laughs> so I guess... So the trailer does really – because this has been, like, on my radar as far as Ryan Reynolds will voice Pikachu. And I'm yes, like, I knew this we, was happening.
1: questions about how that works out.
0: I, I knew this was happening because I was like, well, don't, don't they just say Pikachu – like, don't they just say their name? And so they they resolved that pretty quickly. But even before that, the buildup in this trailer, I was like, okay, I'm watching this trailer, so I know it's for Detective Pikachu. But where – so it's like a stat like Ken Watanabe pops up is like oh I didn't realize he was in this movie so.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then like he serious Smith, work too Justice Smith pops up and like I like him from um, The Get Down that was uh, the, the Netflix series then he was in Jurassic World also mm-hmm. but um and th- so I'm like well what's the p-? it's like it's really live action which I like I guess I kind of knew but I was like I, did, I wasn't thinking about that when hearing Detective Pikachu and then it finally reveals Pikachu and he's like he's like this furry mouse thing. <laughs> okay, Maybe. that that
1: looks Your pretty good has actually. A furry mouse thing, though.
0: Well, yeah, but I've you know I see Pikachu and I think like the you know the anime that I don't watch or the or Smash Brothers sure. where it's you know it's a yellow blob essentially. It was a yellow mouse blob. I don't think of him in like a three D world where he have fur and act like a a mouse. <laughs> like, <so. laughs>
1: I mean. Isn't that what he is, though? He's, I don't know what kind of animal Pikachu is. I know that well, he's, he's a, kind he's of like a monster, related, so it doesn't right? really, yeah, he's, he's, he's really a pocket m- monster, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, why can't, I, I, I there are a lot of questions answered when I watched this trailer because I also thought, is it going to be fully animated? Why would, why would Ryan Reynolds voice a fully animated thing? It feels as though, you know, they would have, I don't know, some sort of live action. And yeah, this is partially live action, partially animated. The other part I was curious about is: is Ryan Reynolds just going to be named Detective Pikachu and show up as Ryan Reynolds? And of course not, because <laughs> he
0: just walks in with a trench coat and it's just on his badge. It says Detective Pikachu. Exactly.
1: And I was like, that, that'd be a really clever thing to do. <laughs> but as you see, as as I'm watching this this trailer, how would
0: that be clever? At what point is the audience walking to like, oh man, I can't wait to see Detective Pikachu? It's like, What is It's just Ryan Reynolds wearing a trench coat that says Pikachu on <laughs>
1: I'd be down for that movie. I'm a Ryan Reynolds fan. <laughs> um, but as far as the trailer goes, I actually was kind of impressed by the way that it looks. It actually looks uh, I, like the rendering is probably going to get a few more passes. But the way that they shot it, you know, it's kind of like this futuristic world. And the, the Pokemon are they're still cartoonish, but they look like they've actually got real fur. They're not like on the level of Muppets. but
0: You know, uh, I, I agree with you. I, I do think it, it's a good looking yeah, movie surprised for what I've it. seen. Yeah, it had like even the world around it, like in addition to the Pokemon, like it's this weird like Blade Runner Hong Kong universe they're showing you. And it's like, this looks neat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. And the thing that I did find funny that you mentioned was Ken Watanabe is in here kind of doing a serious thing, which is, oh, you know, you used to be really good and your father said that you were really good. You should follow in his footsteps, and so you know I'm I'm, kind of, I'm waiting for the backstory in which he uh, he tells a Pokemon to go fight, and then he gets killed by like you know Snorlax or something like that. But um, uh, all this to say, though, <laughs> I'm not the biggest Justice Wins Justice not Justice Winslow that's a basketball player Justice <laughs> uh, Justice Smith fan. Because he's he was really annoying in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and and he sounds kind of annoying in this one too. So I haven't seen the Get Down and I'm sure that he's got range and this is exactly what they they want him to do of playing like the um, the fish out of water type because he can actually hear Pokemon instead of hearing them say their own names he can actually just hear them speak. So he's he's got like uh, he's got basilisk powers like uh, like uh, Voldemort does talking to snakes.
0: But, I'm um, not gonna put down Justice Smith for being annoying in Jurassic World. Every Jurassic Park movie has annoying kids. That's part of the series. Jim like, and Lux weren't
1: that annoying. They actually served a purpose at the end.
0: They're annoying. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> they all they all serve a purpose. The second one kicks a raptor with gymnastics. Doesn't mean they're not annoying. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about
1: that. That was Jeff Goldblum's daughter in the movie. She does you like
0: <laughs> and then in Jurassic, and then in the third one, they're like, cover yourself with this T-Rex pee and be camouflaged. Like, they're all annoying, but they all, yeah, they have a all purpose. All right, good, good,
1: fair point, fair point. And so, then the other
0: ones are like, we're in bubbles and we're running around and we're all crazy. Like, Yeah,
1: but, it, well, it turned, it's uh, the, the kid from uh, Love, Simon, who decides to go take and, his brother from, from. Uh, Insidious. What, Insidious, yeah, exactly. Off the beaten path, and so they get into trouble. But um, yeah, no, he's just
0: uh, he's honoring a time honored tradition of annoying kids in Jurassic Park movies. <laughs> like, fair, great for point. That.
1: Great point. This is a fair point. So all of a sudden, so, the same, Detective so Pikachu he came in and
0: said, yeah, "Guys, guess what? What if I was really annoying? Like that was I mean, his plan."
1: <laughs> if he did do that, kudos, man, making your own mark. So, uh, <laughs> but no, Detective Pikachu. I'm curious to see what's gonna happen. I, mean, I, did you watch um, Teen Titans go to the movies this summer?
0: I did not see Teen Titans go to the movies. I've, I've heard great things, and it's, it's out now, so I, I want to.
1: Yeah, I've heard good things, and so uh, I guess what I'm trying to parallel that with is I wasn't, I I had for sure bombed, Yeah. Um, <laughs> whatchamacallit, uh, Teen Titans, because I had said, you know, if it's good, I'm going to eat my words. And I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard that it's good, so for this one, I'm I'm more than happy to eat my words again if it's if it's actually a really fun story. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it's directed by Rob Letterman, who did Goosebumps. Uh, okay. It's co-written by him and Nicole Perlman, who wrote the first Guardians of the Galaxy. It's got this cast and this look. It's like everything's lining up for this to be like a fun summer movie. So mm-hmm. I hope it turns out to be that.
1: Agreed. It
0: looks like it's got you know it's it seems like coming in the line of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Ted of all that's things. A, that's a great
1: pull of Who Framed yeah. Roger Rabbit.
0: Yeah. So yeah, this is it's higher up on my radar than it than it was initially. That said, he's a detective. He's got a hat he detects things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but they they explain some sort of plot in the movie about why he has to go detect, and I just didn't really pay attention to it. <laughs>
0: It's just like if he told me like back in 2000, like one of these characters is gonna be a detective.
1: (laughs) You would not have chosen Detective Pikachu. I didn't think that. Who would you have chosen then?
0: I don't know. One that has legs. I don't know. It walks upright. Like
1: (laughs) Charizard.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. Squirtle. (laughs) Like whatever. (laughs) Uh, But okay, Detective uh, Pikachu hits theaters May tenth, 2019. So right after Avengers, you can go see Detective Pikachu.
1: <laughs> you know you're gonna need a, you're gonna need a break from all that uh, dramatic action, I guess.
0: Yeah. All <laughs> right, let's move on. That was that was uh, that was our trailer talk. Let's move on to some About No Quickies. Yeah. This is gonna be a special extended edition about No Quickies because I know TM. Abe has uh, caught up with a, a few things recently, and I say a couple things too that I'll, I'll make. Yeah, note of.
1: basically it'll be like, like mini reviews as we uh, talk through the rest of the show.
0: So let's go back and forth. Let's start with you. What do you? What's your first one?
1: Well, let's talk about the first one here. And the first one uh, is wildlife. This is the Paul Dano directed movie, written. Uh, it's, it's a book adapted by Paul Dano and his partner Zoe Kazan, and they basically write about a family uh, growing, or I guess not growing up, but but living during Depression era uh, America, um, and kind of just the way that the American dream. Maybe fades in, out for some some folks. Um, the family is played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who is a father who seemingly loves the nomadic lifestyle, um, and he's a man's man kind of thing. But he he works as like uh, a caddy at a golf uh, range, or uh, I'm sorry, at a, a at a Country what are they club. called? Country club. Let me just say it's set in 1960. So it's post depression. Post depression. Okay. Yeah. So but and then the wife is played by. Um, uh Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan who continues to do great work but I feel as though she doesn't really get seen a lot and this reminds me a little bit of Michelle Williams who does great work all the time as well and I just feel as though people don't really people know who they are and they respect them for sure but it's like more people need to see Carrie Mulligan and more people need to see Michelle Williams because these these actresses are doing fantastic work all the time in every movie that they're in
0: although oh, I haven't me...
1: seen I haven't seen or venom, I don't know what what uh, she's doing in Venom in terms of Michelle Williams, but you know she's not she bad did. in it.
0: <laughs> she's working with Tom Hardy and gets that paycheck. That's what she's exactly. doing. Exactly, yeah.
1: You know she's getting. And the yeah, maybe you want to her. talk about
0: people seeing more of her. Venom's a giant hit, so like. This is true. This is true.
1: Um, and then there's also uh, the son played by I forget his name. Um,
0: Alexander er, no, sorry, Ed Oxenville is that? That's he's Alexander the in the no good, very good, <laughs> yeah. terrible, bad. Day. That's what so I thought like, I was. I was like,
1: like when you said Alexander, I was like that sounds about right, but I don't think yeah. that's right.
0: Yeah, Ed, um, Ed Oxenbold.
1: Yeah, Ed Oxenbold. And, you know, the movie centers around them moving to Montana, kind of living in this uh, ramshackle house. Or it's not a ramshackle house, but it's a rented house. And it kind of just goes through the motions of this American life uh, through the eyes of, of their of their 14-year-old son, Ed. Uh, I'm sorry, Joe. But I think that it works. It definitely works as a play because the, the way that it's shot and the way that the actors are acting... It feels much like a stage production would feel. Um, I think that there's actually some really good parallels to something like Death of a Salesman in terms of the American dream and, and what it means to be successful and, and what it means to have these things. Uh, but quite honestly, it's, it kind of unravels before it even gets going because I don't really think there's a lot of character development so that you you can't really feel that bad for Carrie Mulligan's character, Jeanette, um, and, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal is, is barely in the movie. He's, he's in the movie for about like maybe like 10 minutes total. Um, but it's it's pretty much just this unraveling of this family and trying to feel as though you have to hold on to something. But a lot of things are unresolved, and a lot of things are still unclear by the time that the movie is over. And if it's told from the, the point of view, view of Joe, then sure, you know, he's not really sure what's going on. But at the same time, he's grown quite a bit in the course of this movie. So on the whole like I think it's a it's a worthy first effort because I think that the directing is I think it's it's pretty good it's not the best but the material is just it's a little dry sometimes and it's a little bit you know just I just couldn't really feel for some of these characters I couldn't really empathize with some of these characters because I didn't really have a whole lot you know Carrie Mulligan has the most to do in the movie but when she's having her breakdown you know like I'm not really sure how to feel about it because is she going through a midlife crisis? Is she not? I mean, I don't really I, – I just couldn't really get a, a good radar because she's doing great work. But I think it could have I, been more emotional.
0: I would say that Mulligan, I think, is the saving grace of this movie. I think she gives the best performance easily. Easily. Uh, I don't think you disagree with that either. But um, I think I think she's very good here. And I, I do think there's I, – I didn't find myself confused by – or not under a lacking in understanding of where these characters are coming from or whatnot. I think my main issue was just, I was, I felt it was uninvolving. I didn't feel
1: that's probably very, I, I, didn't,
0: I didn't feel connected enough to the drama or the situation going on as finally made as it might be. And like, there's, yeah, there's some promise in Dano as a director, I suppose. Um, but I've talked about this already a bit, so I don't want to recap my thoughts too much, sure, but yeah, sure. I, I'm, I'm with you as far as I wasn't a huge fan of the film. I do think there are things about it that work. Um but it's not one that's that's sticking with me very much. That's
1: that's, that's pretty much. And I was pretty much sold on the trailer and I was very curious to see it. Um but you know it's it's kind of a uh it's just it's just there. So it's kind of like a rental. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well I'll talk about a film. Mm Mm-hmm. Um I saw a film called Son of a Gun, which is the first film from Julius Avery who directed Overlord. Um Oh, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I saw Overlord. I was like, I want to see where this guy came from because this this movie, I will talk about it. But um, It came out in 2014. It stars Brenton Thwaites of The Signal, mm-hmm. our, you know, our, our our like, um, Ewan McGregor, and Alicia the Um as well as uh, – what's his name? Um, Nigel uh, – Nash Edgerton, one of the Edgertons. Nash Edgerton. The, oh, the, the brother s- of uh... – Yeah, b- brother of Joel. Joel, yeah and uh, a director in his own right, mm-hmm. um, and a huge stuntman guy. Um, it is a it, – it's neat. It's a crime thriller where Brenton Flates, he goes to jail, beats Ewan McGregor, who's in there, um, helps him break out years later, and they commit a heist. So it's like a prison movie and a heist movie. Uh, it's pretty solid. Like it, um, It's nothing to write home about necessarily, but like as far as, hey, this is on Netflix, and it's from that director that I uh, saw a lot of neat things in with Overlord, it's, it's a cool, like, oh, this is where he came from. Uh, excuse me Ewan McGregor's very good in it he gets mm-hmm. to kind of play up an edge because he's kind of a heavy but still because Ewan McGregor he's kind of like he's still very likable He's very charming uh, <laughs> he's very yeah he's very charming like you know he's like he's he's like he's the big bad technically but he's still like a charming person to watch because he's Ewan McGregor
1: yeah he's um, Ewan McGregor exactly yeah.
0: But you know, it's it's a it's a gritty little crime thriller. It's it's an Austra- it's Australia. Julius Avery's Australian, so the movie's it's a very Australian, um, except Hugh McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it works. It's not. I just want to mention it because it's on Netflix. I was, I was like, yeah, I, I was
1: gonna say because I've always seen this whenever I'm scrolling through. It's the one where Hugh McGregor looks like he's punching something. Yeah. Um, and I always thought to myself, this movie doesn't look very good. So now that you've given your opinion on it, maybe I'll go see it.
0: It's good for like it's on Netflix and you can watch it pretty easily. Like that's Understood. that's it's a good Netflix watch. Yeah, that's that's where yeah. I put it. But like as far as after watching Overwood, it's like huh, I want to see what got what got him this job, and I was like, okay, yeah, I see how, I see why he got this. Uh, so yeah, that's where that is. Okay. Um, I was kind of short, so I'm gonna do another one right yeah, away. Yeah, hit it up. Um, it is bodied. Um, this is the battle rap comedy drama directed by Joseph Kahn, um, produced by Eminem. Um, this is another Oakland film this year. Oakland's been getting a lot of uh, good rep this they year. They love. Uh, yeah. And um, it features uh, Callum Worthy as Adam, a white grad student who is obsessed with battle rap. Um, and he's our gateway into the, this world of battle rap. Um Unlike, not too unfamiliar from Eight Mile, but Eight Mile is certainly more of a, it's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a drama. It's a drama about, based around Eminem's life. Sure. This is more of a, this is kind of a sports movie, really, like as far as the kind of the structuring of it and whatnot, where this kid Adam, he, he, he's a huge fan of it, and then he becomes incorporated into it by using his own talents and putting together bars or the kind of lyrical rhymes uh, to compete with other. You know, rappers that are mostly black, but there's also uh, a couple Asian in there. Or, um, is uh, it, this is also in the
1: Bay? Were there it's, like it's, any like Bay rappers or Bay Bay dudes in there?
0: there the cast members featured are all battle rappers, um, with the exception of a couple who are just actors, but or, you know given what they need to do to do it. Um, and yeah, there's there's a there's a lot to like about this movie. I was I was, a, I, was I liked it more than I was expecting to where it's like I feel like I was gonna get the idea because I think Joseph Kahn who did um, he did detention, he also did torque. Uh, he does all he does a ton of music videos. he's a huge music video guy. Um, but he certainly like has very great. yeah, kind of like every. He has a he has kind of an edge to him where I think he could rub people the wrong way and I was like, this is I just be kind of like attempting to be provocative but not but kind of empty. but no, I was into it. I think the story's well told. There's another actor, Jackie Long, who plays Ben Grimm. That's his battle rap wait, name. Wait,
1: wait, wait.
0: The thing? Yes, that's his battle rap name. Uh, and the arc that they give this character, I wish they did more with it, but, like, the yeah, the kind yeah. of how it plays out with him and what his life is. Because there's – we learn somewhat about some of the other, like, battle rappers and him especially. And you learn about the kind of the front he's putting on to perfect this image of being this veteran battle rapper versus what's actually going on in his life. Um, my Jackie Long's character? Yeah, Jackie Long's character. Yeah. By the way, it's he's so like, in
1: ATL. He's like one of my favorite characters from ATL. The,
0: yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. And so there's things like that where I think the movie does really well. It's also very funny. It does have a level, a layer of satire on it too. Um, yeah, I mean, because it is dealing with this like white kid who's a grad student that's dealing with battle rap, and so like he, it, it kind of mixes between the battle rap scenes and him going back to his college, dealing with his girlfriend and other people that are all not battle rappers. They're ostensibly white and dealing with <laughs> dealing with kind of like today's environment and what you can say because it's battle rap where you know the lyrical things going on tend to you know evoke stereotypes or racial trash talking and other things like that and so the film is quite clever in how it balances using that in an entertaining way but also trying to make some kind of a statement out of it so there's there's a lot of good stuff in it like i just i again i walked away liking it more than i expected to it's too long it's two hours and it could be cut down a bit, but still, yeah, I I, yeah. I certainly recommend it. I think it's a it's like it's YouTube's first like acquired film, um. So wait, what? I, wait, I, wait. What? yeah, YouTube's the like distributor of this movie.
1: Interesting. Uh, so in the beginning, you see the YouTube logo and uh, everything. Okay.
0: Uh, I suppose I saw a screener, so I'm not sure how <laughs> it
1: displays.
0: But however you get, I mean, I suppose the same way that people got the uh, the Karate Kid TV show. I, I guess that's the same way you would get this. Uh, this movie bodied, mm-hmm. but yeah, but yeah, no, uh, quite good. I, I was a fan for sure.
1: Okay, cool. So it's already out, uh, on streaming services. I know the, yeah, it's, uh, screener, yeah, it's, stream- but it's, it's probably already live. Yeah,
0: it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's streaming now. Okay. Got it. Very cool.
1: Well, let's talk about the other movie that I've seen, uh, in playing catch up. Uh, I got a chance to watch first man and I was able to see it in IMAX and I was specifically trying to catch it in IMAX because whenever something is shot on some new millimeter, I I you know I would love to see what the director's vision is and or was for for their project. Um first man is I can see why the critics might have been mixed on it because it's not specifically a gung-ho story about you know Apollo 11 and getting to the moon. It's actually more of a very personal like quiet think piece journey on Neil Armstrong and kind of this the is English.
0: why this this is why audiences wouldn't latch on it. Critics, I mean, it's like 88%. Oh, audience. yeah.
1: Maybe, <laughs> I, maybe I was getting uh, confused there. But um, as audiences go... I mean, no knock on them. I mean, the trailer sold you on something, and, and when you go to see it, you weren't seeing what you were sold on, and, and perhaps you, you didn't like it that much. But um, I'm kind of mixed on it myself. I'm more mixed positive, um, because I think that it's a little long. Um, and I think that there's actually some sequences that I'm curious about. Like, I think that there could have been some... I think there's some emotional oomph that was missing because when Claire Foy, who plays Neil Armstrong's wife, kind of has her her uh, emotional um, on-screen performance, I think that there's something missing from you feeling more emotional weight from it. Um, but with all that being said, though, it's a very intimate story of, of you know, a not-so-much-seen side of the way that we viewed the space race in cinema. You know, we've seen things like Apollo 13, and we've seen things like um, uh, The Right Stuff, and we've seen stuff like, I don't know, even if you wanted to go with like Armageddon, I guess. Um, but it's very much like, hey, by the way, we're, we're these cool guys that were. And, or, or even something like um, uh, Hidden Figures, where, you know, we have a mission to do, and we're trying to do it because America is trying to beat these Russians at the game here. And quite honestly, while they touch upon that, that's really a backstory because it's it's about it's almost about this person's dealing with grief and death. It is about it is about his
0: him dealing like, with grief.
1: <laughs> right, 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 but like all the time. And so that's why I think that it moves at a different pace. Um, which I found very fascinating because I think with the mixtures of the visuals and then also the mixture of the score by um Who's, who did the score again? It's Justin, dude, Hur- Hurwitz. Yeah, Justin Hurwitz. Justin Hurwitz, yeah. Who, it's his dude who helped him with The Hollow Land as well and has basically been composing all throughout.
0: Yeah, his, all of his movies, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it's a very haunting score, but uh, you know, I, I felt some tastes of, of Hans Zimmer, and I also felt some tastes of um, even... There's like another composer I thought of. I can't think of it right now, but the way that it moves, it, it just reminded me of some interstellar hits. But um, no, the movie itself is—it's technically beautiful. Um, there are some moments in here where I literally welled up in tears because you're just seeing like the surface of this of the Earth uh, against the sun rising in 70 millimeter IMAX, or not even 70 millimeter IMAX, It was just on an IMAX screen. And I thought to myself, man, this is. Um, this is amu- amazing. This is beautiful, and and then there are other moments where obviously you get some emotional strings pulled from the, in the heart because of the storyline and the plot, which is also effective. But um, I would say that there's just uh, some missing uh, missing character development as well. Um, not that I need to know everything about Neil Armstrong, and not that I need to know everything about his sons, or not that I need to know everything about um, his wife. But uh, there's there's perhaps some things that are missing. Um, and this is I, definitely a movie where this is an every person movie because everybody is in this movie. So this is almost like a, a black Hawk down situation and, or like a JFK situation where zero there's dark
0: 30, zero dark 30 where there's just like
1: actors on actors on actors everywhere in this movie. Uh, I mean, I, mm-hmm.
0: I love first man. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I would, I would, I would put out there that I think anybody that complains about certain things that aren't in there are the same things that they would complain about if they were in there. Um, I can see what your point is, yeah. I I mean, for one thing, there's... you, everything you need about Neil Armstrong is in this movie. Like, there's nothing lacking here because he's so insular and so introspective. Sure, yeah. It, like, I mean, there's there's nothing you're not getting that would that would come out unless you just contrive a screenplay to make it work. Which I agree. Is, yeah. Which is exactly the problem with Bohemian Rhapsody, um, but, which I haven't
1: seen yet, but I'm I'm, I'm waiting to I'm waiting to review that one. But um, no, I
0: I I hear what you're saying, and I do think the movie. There's a, there's a coldness to it, but I think it's so deliberate. I'm actually
1: okay with the coldness because I think what, what delivers upon the cold, or what the coldness delivers is like this intense focus. Because when, when they're blasting off, uh, on the Apollo 11 mission, what I love is that Damien Gisela does actually, he doesn't take away from Ryan Gosling's face. And Ryan Gosling barely blinks in that sequence. Because there's like, it's, 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 uh, what's the term? Um, it's when you're really, really compelled to do something. You're, you're, um, I forget the term, but I thought about it right after I I watched the movie, but, um, you know, it's, it's the bad kind of laser focus. Um, Uh you know what I mean? Like, well, I know
0: what you mean. And that's what I'm getting to where it's, yeah, I I think, I think this performance, which I think is going to go overlooked when it comes to awards, because there's other showier performances that are coming along this year, but Gosling is so good in this and the way, um, Damien Chazelle has structured this movie, it makes so much sense as far as how to portray this man, how to portray Neil Armstrong. It's so specific to what he is, uh, who he is, who he was, um, and... Obsession. Obsession, there you go, obsession. Yeah, that's the term. And, but like, it, the kind of the general... Th- I mean, you talk about the grief, and it's a mix of what kept me kind of compelled in this, among the many things that kept me compelled in this, sure. is the narrative structure of whether... This movie is focused on him using grief to, uh, or his or his grief getting to him to that's pushing him away from everything else, or is it his nature of pushing everything else away that's not letting him grieve well enough? Like it's this this weird like back and forth see between that. the two. Yeah. I, and, and quite honestly, it, it's, yeah. Let me just, let me just say the because of that, you have such a strong focus on him that yeah, you're not going to get you know certain details about other people or certain highlights which is what you see in other movies i'm so i was so glad that this wasn't just another version of the right stuff for apollo 13 i'm glad that it steps out in its own its own direction of how to show something like this and what kind of focus it chooses to have and i would say yes claire foy like she's playing the wife character but i think this movie i think she does a great job of what she's given here to at least make that register and by the end of this movie and we agreed to this on the podcast when we uh, when the rest of us, you weren't there on that episode, that I think the ending shot of this movie that involves both of them beautiful. is fantastic. Yeah. I think it's a great closeout of this film. I,
1: I agree, because there's there's so much said with no words in that sequence. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with you about, about the ending, and I agree with you that uh, she's doing a lot with what she's given here, because she um, she's given kind of like, it's like a thankless role, uh, because there's actually a lot of stuff that she has to do, including dealing with her own type of like at home kind of grief by that meaning like the war at home so to speak because uh, mm-hmm. there's they live with other astronaut families in this in, in uh near uh, a military base right so they have to go through a lot of uh, ups and downs but um one of the things i want to say about ryan gosling is that <clears throat> excuse me i know that people have said that Oh, Ryan Gosling's playing a stoic character again, you know, typical Ryan Gosling. And I would, you know, it, it, sure, I know that people kind of say it facetiously, um, and yeah, he's just kind of <laughs> intrinsically, like, a quiet guy. Like, if you see all of his movies, it's not as though, I, I think his loudest one was the one with Steve Carell where he's, you know, the matchmaker dude, right? Um,
0: or the nice guys.
1: Or the nice guys, which is like a big turn of events, because everyone knows that Ryan Gosling is funny, but his body humor just it just went exponentially. But I would say that, or the, there's... Or the Big Short. I mean, people they <laughs> can, can sure, like, yeah, I can, yeah.
0: yeah. can name a bunch of Gosling movies where he's no, loud no, for sure. But, but what I'm is, like, I know what you're saying, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But what I'm saying is, like, I know people kind of like like to mock him for like his blue, blue Valentine type stuff. It's like, but Ryan Gosling is a terrific like body actor. Um. Like there's a lot of emotional control that he does. So the thing, the scene that I'm thinking of specifically is when Claire Foy tells him that he's got to go talk to his boys before he leaves for the mission, and his voice is trembling, his legs start shaking, he's like messing with his hands crazily, and it's it's there's actually a lot of like crazy emoting that's going on, and I get it, you know, it's it's Ryan Gosling being quiet and stoic, but there's is some really great stuff, and this re- recalls. Back to something like from Lars and the Real Girl where he's also doing a lot of like body, body acting. And it's not so much that Ryan Gosling just likes to play these characters. I think Ryan Gosling is just a really, really good actor. Uh, I agree. And I, I do want to champion him just because he might play these quiet roles. It doesn't mean that he's not doing a lot with them. Cause you could say that for Blade Runner, he's doing the same thing, but Hey, man, he made me believe that at points he was an Android, and at points he was an Android that was believing that he was a human. And so what does that make me feel about Ryan Gosling? It's like, this guy's pretty good at his job.
0: Yeah, so no, that's, I mean, it's a wildly different example. It's something like Sam Jackson is like, he's always yelling. It's like, yeah, he's very good at that. Like, he's, he, know, he knows how to raise his voice and make an effective point and be memorable on screen. You do that. <laughs> like, you, right, you, yeah. you make a career out of out of doing something And if you want to see Sam Jackson being ways. quiet,
1: there's some movies where he's really quiet. And you're just like, holy oh, yeah. shit, Sam Jackson is really good at acting. Yes, there are. <laughs> so... It's it's just because he's loud doesn't mean he's not good at his craft. <laughs> so, uh, but with with first man though, again, technically beautiful. I also want to say that there was um, we've seen the Apollo eleven or I'm sorry the Apollo thirteen launch uh, from Ron Howard's movie, and that one you know with the with the swelling of the music that makes me you know goosebumpy. In this one, when they were just going up the elevator, and I saw the United States on the shuttle. Um, I actually got kind of choked up too. And it was, it was like this sense of man, like, you know, we, we did it, you know, we, we really could put our heads together with math science and we can accomplish like some really amazing things. So there was some moments in here where it's not even related to the movie, uh, or I'm sorry, the plot line whatsoever. It was just really like the beautiful shots or like the feeling of like pride, the swelling of pride of, you know, being an American. And I was just, yeah, I was kind of overcome with it. So, um, both all that, though, I felt that it was a little long and a little bit Terrence Malicky in the way that he shot it, which is not a knock. I, I like when directors oh, yeah, we, uh, we pointed that out. Sh- yeah, we had. Oh, um, you guys pointed yeah, that out too. Okay.
0: Yeah, uh, Peter. We had Peter and Yancey on, and one yeah. other person that it's bugging me. I think it was Alan. Yeah, I think uh-huh. it was Alan Aguilar. Uh, yeah, and we pointed that out for sure. That there's a lot of like Tree of Life Malick. Yeah, exactly. Tricks.
1: Where it's just like you know, narrating through visuals of people running and playing and whatever else. Um, and you know it is what it is but again I, I directors who take chances i'm happy when you take chances like if it fails then you know i, I still respect you for it unless you knew that it was going to be terrible and you decided to make these direction choices but i don't think that that chazelle went in there thinking i'm going to make something that is super artistic that nobody understands like no he's just trying some yeah, things out you
0: don't tend to do that with big you know studio money get away and also
1: but... with like 70mm IMAX cameras which again when they when they are working they they look beautiful so um
0: i'm glad you got to see it in imax because yeah it is a great shift when it goes from the kind of 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter that they're shooting on for the most part then switches for that last i mean the moon stuff is terrific in this movie it's so is
1: terrific and the score really kicks in really hard and there's some sequences there where yeah man like more than one tear was rolling to my face so
0: and i don't want to get too embroiled in the non-controversy that existed about this movie, but you 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 mentioned kind of the the pride you feel of just seeing an elevator going up and seeing like you know the United States on the side of a yeah. of a shuttle or not, and it's it's so annoying <laughs> that there are those that just didn't see this movie all because they want to believe some random narrative when. Just like what you're saying and just the depiction of Americana in this film of just like kids running around the kitchen and whatnot while Neil Armstrong is trying to work. It's like this is America, this movie. Like I don't know who who would be confused about like the pride you're supposed to have in your country. Is watching there this confusion? Movie. Yeah, for from the people that are just believing the story that the because they're not showing the flag being planted that the movie's trying to be un-American. It's I like I
1: want to watch
0: this movie. It's yeah, so yeah. like it's so in your face without being like nationalistic. It's just so like saying, look at how America was once. <laughs> like that's what this movie's showing you.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're not like uh, stomping on the Russians uh, during the space race either. They actually are more fueled by the Russians because the Russians actually put somebody in orbit. And so, you know, but I, the thing that I will say, the, my last thing is that while the, the movie is centered around Neil Armstrong and his family, there are obviously all these other astronauts that you've met, including Buzz Aldrin played by, uh, Kay Wiggum. (laughs) Oh no, sorry. Buzz Aldrin Aldrin played by, uh, Cory Stahl, yeah. And Cory Stahl is a huge dick in this movie, which I don't know much about Buzz Aldrin, Buzz Aldrin but I just found it really like funny that they would, they, they would take this route that Buzz Aldrin would, you know, talk trash at a man's funeral and then like be a dick about being the first man on the moon and, and just like having a, a jolly good time. And I, I found that part really funny. So there's, I there's thought some, I, I, some I keep,
0: Obviously, there's some like,
1: stretched truths in this movie as well.
0: It is, but like I see why you do it because if you have Neil Armstrong with the gossip performance that you're giving, you can't have two of those guys going up in the <laughs> sure, space. Sure, so yeah. You have, like a somber exactly movie. You need, yeah, you need someone that's the exact opposite so he can play off that in go- yeah. in like during this giant section of the movie that's very important. So like you sure. cannot have some kind of like fun going on
1: here. Right, right. So yeah, and also this is one of, like the Jason Clark performances that I it's like can you guys give Jason Clark some real work like this movie? Like, I know that he's only in it for like 22 minutes, but he's a really good actor.
0: Oh, he's great. And like, because I, I said this on the other podcast, but like, I'm, I'm very knowledgeable about this stuff. I loved uh. re- I loved reading about space stuff when I was a kid. So I like, I, I it's like seeing all these characters, it's like really cool. And the second they introduced Clark's so was like, oh, I know where this is going. This is so sad. <laughs> like every, yeah. every, every time they like cut to him and his wife, is like, oh, this is, this is making it worse. Like, <laughs> I, I know the history of this right now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, anyhow, that was first, man. I saw it on IMAX. I was glad that I saw it on IMAX. Um, if you can go see it, you know, try not to go into the expectations of a gung-ho Apollo 13 type movie or whatever else. It's, it's really, again, a personal narrative movie and I think that's what's throwing audiences off.
0: How many more do you have? That's it. Okay, I got two more then. Um I'll make them quick. Damn. Yeah. Uh, um first <laughs> thank you. Uh first a movie called The Long Dumb Road. Okay. Uh this is a road trip comedy starring Jason Manzucas and Tony Revolori from a uh, Grand Budapest Hotel yeah. and uh, dope. Um this movie is funny. Uh it's I think it's on VOD now. Uh I like Jason Manzucas. I think he is one of the funniest people around. Um okay. He could. He makes things funnier just by like appearing in the background. Um, him getting a lead role in a film, which is ostensibly what happens here, um, is great because <laughs> so I just want more people to see how great he can be. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I would say this movie itself, it's like it's fine. It's like Tony Warrior plays a, like a kid that's going off to college. His car breaks down. Manzuka is a car. Is a he's a mechanic. He helps him fix it. Then they like have they start traveling together, and. It's a lot of, like, banter between them, and then they have, like, random things that go on where, like, they meet random random other characters, like Rob, Rob Livingston shows up, or uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Taisa uh, T- uh, Farga and Grace Gummer show mm-hmm. up at one point, or Casey Wilson shows up. Like, there's people that show up, and it's like, they have little adventures, but, like, it's just an excuse to get Manzoukas to riff a lot, and he does that, and it's great. Um. So I I was I was ex- I wanted to see this because like I want to laugh. He's the star of this as opposed to just like a supporting character. Great. Let's see where that goes. And it was yeah. fine. Like it's it it's fine. It,
1: okay.
0: Like the movie's fine. But as far as like hey, I got to see if in a lead role. That's great. I was I was very satisfied with that. So yeah. I I just hope that leads to more things on a bigger level for him. Cuz like he got he was in like the dictator. He was like probably like he was like second lead in that, and then he was like third lead in the house last year with uh, Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. Yeah, Amy Poehler. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, "This is like, oh, this is like, he's like legit lead role of his movie. That's great." So I I just, I, I hope I can see more of that in the future. Yeah, Um, I
1: mean, I I like just as you get to watch it.
0: Yeah. And the uh, the last thing I'll mention is everybody knows this is the film that Anna and I just saw um, at at AFI Fest. It's the new Oscar, the new Oscar for Hadi film, uh, who directed uh, Separation and uh, The Salesman, which both won Oscars. Um, This film stars Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. I'm not going to go too far into the plot because I mm. what I like about Oscar Farhadi's films is that I just walk in not knowing anything and I'm very satisfied. Uh I will say it is it does continue along his path of familial drama mixed with a mystery that comes about. Mm-hmm. Um and this is another very good example of that. Uh and this time he's working outside of I I mean he, the the past was set in France but yeah this one's in this one's set in Spain. Um, Penelope Cruz, she's, she and her family are coming in from Argentina. Javier Bardem's already in Spain. Those two have a past together. Um, something happens that makes everybody very tense and things go from there. <laughs> um, but no, the film, I mean, it's, it's amazing how much gets accomplished from how minimalistic these films are because there's no score. It's not about flashy cinematography and the plots are nothing's contrived about them. It just, it all feels very organic and, but it's also pretty straightforward as far as here's a bunch of people that are related or connected to each other through various ways, but it's the writing and the performances that are so effective. And he's a great actor's director and a great writer. Uh, So he gets these great performances out of both Cruz and Bardem, obviously, because they're very good, but also the rest of the cast as well. And, you're so connected to this family and what's going on, where by the time this movie ended and it's two hours and 12 minutes, I was like, ah, I want to, I want to keep going. I want to see more of this. Wow. I want more of this to happen. Hmm. And so, yeah, it's just another very good film from Oscar Fahadi. He is easily one of his favorite, like working filmmakers right now because he keeps delivering again after again and again and again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I believe this it's a limited release that arrives sometime in December. I Do would you feel assume. So, as
1: it's going to be, uh, is it in the territory of foreign film?
0: I, w- I mean, yes, because it's, I would assume, I don't know what's on their short list or not mm-hmm. because it's, I mean, it's made by Farhadi, who's Iranian, but the film right. is shot, even the credits, as they, like, the Spanish. on the roll on screen, they're all in Spanish, like, even the, uh, like, the, the production names and everything, like, the, you know, uh, uh, the, like, all the the names of the different roles of the film are all, like, presented in Spanish, the different filmmaking roles of the films are all presented in Spanish, so it's okay. like, I'm not, I'm not sure if Spain's submitting it for their official entry, I wouldn't be surprised if they are, though. Go but ahead. regardless, uh, it's very good. I'd give it an Oscar. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot I've seen a lot of good foreign films that I think would give an Oscar, but um actually no. You know why? Because uh Corones' film. Um that's that's Spain. Roma? Or no, that's Mexico. That's Mexico. What am I talking Mexico, about? Mexico, yeah. Come that's on, fun.
1: man. Get your trio of amazing Mexican directors right. <laughs> and cinematographers.
0: Yeah. Uh Chivo. Um
1: that's actually something that I was really annoyed by when when she said it on stage.
0: <laughs> Why? What? What's his nickname? That's what I. I
1: know, him. but I was like, "Don't say it that way, <laughs> Chivo." And I was like, "Come on, we're talking She's, about uh, we're talking about Zero Dark Thirties. <laughs> yeah,
0: Jessica Chastain when Justin, she announced Justin. he he won best he won best cinematography one of the three Third, years three, in a row three one. in a row or something like that yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah no. Everybody, Everybody knows, comes out at some point. It's very good. Uh, okay. if you, it's, it's just a really good drama. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It, it works.
1: Okay. Like, uh, on, a, on the same levels as, uh, Salesman and, uh, and, uh, Separation work, like where they're I mean, super, I, I, super dramatic.
0: I mean, reel? there, there's, it's super close. I mean, a separation is one of the best films of the decade. So it's hard for me to like say it's like at that Oof. level, but it's, it's still very good. Sure. <laughs> like, Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's it. cookies. Trademark. Let's move on. Let's get to our main review for Overlord.
1: Three months ago, I was cutting grass in my front yard. And the mailman shows up with a letter from the army. Now I'm here. No idea where I'm going to end up.
0: Welcome
1: to France. What happened here? Some questions don't have good answers. There's a lot of soldiers out there, and there's only four of us. Find out what's inside that cop out. with those people
0: they have been given a purpose alright that should have been some of the trailer for Overlord first things first Overlord is not a Cloverfield movie this is an original film with a story conceived by writer Billy Ray this is an original story with a story conceived by writer Billy Ray of Captain Phillips and polished by Mark L. Smith of The Revenant it's produced by J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot and it's entirely its own thing The story concerns a squad of paratroopers who are on a mission to head behind enemy lines on the eve of D-Day. They take down a German radio tower stationed in a church. We eventually learn that this church is also housing a secret lab where crazy Nazi experiments are helping create all new kinds of evil. Yeah. Abe, what did you think of this movie?
1: I kind of enjoyed it. and I say kind of enjoyed it because I think that there's a really strong first third of the movie, which sets up a lot of intrigue and a lot of like really cool in-your-face type... Of, uh, filming. And then I think that the second third <laughs> kind of drags a little bit, and then the last third kind of picks up, but it feels as though it, it has to just run through some of the things that we've run through already. I think there's actually a lot of, like, tense buildup of what could be happening, and they kind of leave that for maybe some, some human drama. Uh, with that being said, though, I really like the way that this film is made. I actually thought that it was a really clever use of one single location. And I thought that it was really clever use of four people on the screen, and also what you have to do. There's, it becomes like a haunted house, and I know that we sort of talked about it uh, with regard to the trailer, and talked about Castlevania or not Castlevania Wolfenstein. Um, Wolfenstein, yeah. And there are elements of that because, to some degree, you can you can view this movie as a video game movie for sure. Um, as you get through. Dialogue, and as you get through these other side missions to get to the final mission, the boss battle type stuff. But um, as it moves along, I, I I did like that there was <laughs> they left the intrigue very 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 like uh, till the last end, and I was very curious about what was going on. Uh, but I think that there was actually just like some killer material, killer material, filler material. In the middle, that kind of left me thinking, if it was a little bit leaner, I think it would have moved a lot faster and it would have been very good instead of just, like, kind of good. So, we can talk about it a little bit more in a second, but, yeah, what are your initial thoughts?
0: I kind of loved it. Whoa! Whoa! I was... Loved it! I was ready for, like, just, like, a fun genre ride, but I think this movie's really well done. Like, as far as, like, what it... Like, I was just thinking about this, too it's what I wish the Meg was more. And I already liked the Meg. I thought the Meg was fun, but this is like, this is like the best example this year of a, like a B movie that gets an A, like as far as what, what its aspirations are versus how well it accomplishes it. Where like the Meg feels like a compromised version of what you can do with a giant shark movie. This feels like a spectacular version of what you can do with a Nazi zombie movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Mainly because it doesn't capitalize on the horror nearly as much as I expected it to, or it does in a different way. Like I feel there's a, I think there's a a, gr- a grindhouseier, more version of this movie that really hits hard on the zombie stuff. But I like the restraint that this movie has in that element. It has so much more intrigue and and thrills going on in just the war aspect. That by the time it gets to this, like oh by the way, there's horrible experiments going on underneath the ground. It's like oh that's terrible. That, that that adds on to the drama and thrills I'm already worried about with these guys that are stuck behind enemy lines. Right. Like I think, and I think it's because of how well Julius Avery does with handling these big set pieces. I I see this as like a a strong entry point for a you know an emerging director in the same way that we had with Matt Reeves and Cloverfield or oh, Dan Tractor and Ten Cloverfield Lane. As far yeah. as as far as what the, what toys and tools they're given to work with for this kind of genre and what they're doing, like. I, I think he did a great job of utilizing those to make a, a spectacular B movie sure. because yeah. you have like a, a, an insane, an insane opening sequence involving all the paratroopers. It's great. You have some great action throughout. And then the end is fantastic. I thought there was so much great like fight stuff. And then like this one giant long shot that happens. It's like, I'm really into this. And even like the the exploration of hell that the the main character Boyce goes through when he first discovers this lab and like. The layers you're seeing as he's kind of sneaking around. It is because it's like you're the movie does a great job of putting you in his shoes as far as even like knowing that there's going to be this coming because we've seen the trailers. I was still like so intrigued by how the movie decided to present that. How we're Mm -hmm. watching boys sneak around corners and see. One horrible thing after another, and how it's gross and gnarly. That's another thing. This movie's very R because of how gross it is. <laughs> like it's it yeah, for really sure. I mean, there's the,
1: actually some what? some really cool stuff that that uh, they do detail, which I thought that's really clever. And yeah, uh, I, I think the the prime example that I'm thinking of is when he's trying to get out of the uh, the place, and there's this woman that says, "Help me!" And I was like, "I wonder what's happening here." Yeah, I was like hmm, that's pretty cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah.
0: It's neat what they, I think all the things they do with this are, is, are really neat. And I, and I also, I really like the set of characters we're given. I like that there's a manageable set of people. There's only like five guys that we need to kind of focus on. And I right. think, uh, Joven Adepo, who plays Boyce, I think he's a solid, uh, like lead here. He was, he was, uh, Denzel's son in fences. Mm-hmm. And I think Wyatt Russell brings like a real quiet cool to his role. Yep. Um, and then, uh, let's see, what's his name? Pilo Asback. He plays the main, like, Nazi guy. I think he's a strong villain. I think he has a good presence there. He was in he a. Ate. He's. I think he's. I think he does good with what he's supposed to. What he's. What he's. What's required of him. Mm-hmm. I think he's a. He's. He's no like Christoph Waltz, but like he's. He's big. Nobody can and be like, Academy
1: Award winner Christoph Waltz's character. No, but but he's
0: like he's Hans big. Hans Landa. Like, I, I like how like because he was in Ghost in the Shell, and I remember he was he was he was. Like, yeah, he's he was her partner in Ghost in the Shell. Um, oh
1: interesting now i kind of like him a little bit better
0: <laughs> and he's he has a role in game of thrones where he's pretty good on too so it's like i know i already know this guy and i like his presence he's like he's like he's he's like six fires he's like a huge guy yeah. and he does he has this kind of presence that he brings and i think the um the other soldiers we see the um, the Tibbet, who's like the loudmouth. it's like there's th- the some of these guys Played are there's, big th- head. there's yeah yeah and big yeah <laughs> and there's there's not much to them as far as the writing goes, but I think the movie the movie knows that and it yeah. gives you the seeds you need to like get who they are and then by the end of this movie you care. And so that's actually
1: the thing that, that I liked about the movie a lot was that you didn't get a whole lot to do with them. Uh-huh. And then as they start building relationships, I was like not not so much the other characters, but, but more voice and and the uh, and Chloe, who plays uh, the the person who's kind of helping them in this in this uh provincial town in France. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you know, I kind of liked it when I didn't know that much about anybody, and that it was kind of just like this creature feature movie and or like Run 'em and Gun 'em kind of movie. Because I, I I agree with you that what's cool about all these side characters, like uh like Tibbet Chase, and uh, even to some degree Rosenfield. Rosenfeld is just that. Hey, I don't know that much about them, but I know that I like them, and that's enough. Yeah,
0: and I see what you're saying. I mean, this movie isn't perfect. I'm not saying that, but I was sure. like, as far as what it sets out to accomplish, I do like that I had some, you know, downtime to get to get a little bit more, mm-hmm. and that because that goat that goes a long way for me as far as not just caring because I have empathy for the idea of people being trapped in the situation, sure, but that I can. I can get an understanding of why they're what they what's going on in their what's going on in their head a little sure. bit. And it's like between that and shockingly, a small level of societal commentary where you, you have people being tortured and like drawing the good guys into a bat, like on the on the line of how far we're going to go. It's like there's some neat stuff here. And in addition to all that, Boyce, a black man, that's never brought up once in this movie. I know and that's cool like that's a neat yeah. i mean i don't think they'd
1: <laughs> I, don't I, think I don't think they'd, that they you know they would, i don't think they, that would, they were like purposely trying to do anything with that anyway but I no but at like the same time but like in,
0: a... yeah but also they wouldn't put troops together like that either <laughs> so it's like i don't know how. No, i get
1: you i get you yeah. but at the same time like you know it, it certainly was one of those things where i was like i wonder if they're gonna address this or if he's gonna have like some like you know grindhouse movie type line of something and i was like no they didn't it's just yeah. you know he, he's he's trying to like uh Trying to kill some Nazis and and uh, shoot Hitler so they can uh, bang bang go home.
0: Yeah, it's about, I mean the Nazis could have said something else, like, but it just doesn't come up ever. Which yeah. is like, that's by the way, in its own uh, way,
1: question for you: What did you think of Bokeem Woodbine?
0: Oh, he's great. I think loved Woodbine it. Is always great. So it's like, yeah, he pops <laughs> when up when he came on the screen. I was like, sure.
1: fucking Bokeem Woodbine, baby.
0: <laughs> yeah, <it's>, he's great. <laughs> that was a good, like, that's a good cast for that for what that role needs. That right. was like, that's solid. Yeah, um, I was
1: a big fan of that,
0: too. I, I like that. what movie did we just watch from, like, it was just, like – oh, it was Venom, I think. it's Venom was loud in a bad way. This is loud in a good way. I think the sound design is really – bad robot knows what they're doing with this kind of stuff. Like Bad robot
1: always <laughs> knows what they're doing. There's actually, there's actually yeah. two sequences which I liked, um, which has been kind of used – Uh, heavily in the past where you know all sound goes out and Mm -hmm. um you kind of just see some stuff i mean it it was used in first man as well to to very great degree um and then this movie uses it in one scene as well and i'm glad that they you know i agree with you that there's some sound stuff but um i i want to ask you about did you feel any sort of length or were you just really involved with it I was involved
0: with it mainly because I just – I liked – when the movie wasn't focused on battles or plot forwarding stuff involving their mission, I didn't not like the things that were going in there. I liked the conversations that were being had as minimal as they were or as, you know, non-important as they may seem because it just made it feel that much stronger. Where by the end of this movie, when you have a certain set of people left, I'm thinking – I'd see I'd watch these guys go into another thing together like this is yeah. this is neat like I like where this is going it's bombing which is unfortunate so we're not going to get that but I mean I, know, I
1: was bummed it's actually I was so I stayed till the end of the credits because I thought to myself I wonder if there's something that comes out of the ground <laughs> but uh, no there isn't um, the question I had for you is um, when you're watching this were you reminded of other movies that sort of try to do something similar um, I have one in mind, but I was curious if, if anything sort of popped up in your mind of, you know, World War II, minus like the same Private Ryan stuff, but more just like, hey, I, a, a small group of I, folks doing stuff.
0: The, the way I've referred to this movie is that it's the Dirty Dozen by way of reanimator. Um, Interesting. <laughs> or or you, you can sub that in for Inglorious Bastards by way of reanimator. Either one works, really. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's a man on a mission movie, so I've seen plenty of those when it comes to World War II. Great. Yeah. And it's a weird, like zombie movie. And I do like the way they handled, I mean something i like the same thing I'd say about vampire movies. There's no like book that says what you can and can't do. So I like this version this movie's version of zombies as far as there are these like, they're, they're literally unstoppable supermench. So like yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they come at you, and even shooting them in the head's not necessarily the way to take them down. And they're nasty, well, and they got big gaping holes in their faces and stuff. Like it's yeah. it's neat. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, speaking on that very quickly. Um,
0: oh oh oh, and yeah. and the films the films really colorful. That's another thing I really liked about it. It's not like desaturated, sad war movie look. It's very colorful. There's so much color in this film as far as the sets, I, the costumes. The the blood, the monster stuff, the shot where when he, when the, when, when, um, Boyce first hits the water, you get that beautiful shot, that beautiful shot of blue when he's under the water, like It's not dark and grady, it's blue, and you're seeing him try to struggle his way up through that, or even when they're walking through the grass before, a bomb goes off and it's all it's green and lush i really like that i really like the movie it feels almost like a comic book at times which is yeah how much you know
1: I, I didn't actually pay attention to that until you brought it up but yeah it's you know when you think about these war movies period piece movies
0: yeah they're gray, like gray. brown yeah. And yeah like they're
1: they're gray because all the uniforms are like you know dark green or gray or whatever the case is and everything around you is gray and, and i think more specifically in tune with like something like saving private ryan for sure but the mm-hmm. movie I thought of, and I was like, you know, I wish that the movie, that this movie, or that movie that I thought of was a little bit more like this where it was more fun, was Fury. And I was like, yeah, yeah. you know, Fury would have been more fun if the characters didn't take themselves so seriously. Like, David Eyre, uh, that was actually, you know, we, we've talked about David Eyre plenty of times on this, on this show. He's hot and cold, and for that one, I actually like Shia LaBeouf acting in that movie, but that movie was just like overly serious, um, and I get it, but at the same time, like you know, if you were just have like a tank battle movie, uh, where they're having fun and doing all this stuff while 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 still in the uh, the throes of war, that's a different movie, and I would might I, like it a little bit better.
0: What I almost tweeted with this movie when I first walked out of it, I was like, "Oh, this is like Fury, but good." That was literally oh, came across that, that came across my mind. Yeah. That's it. I I think Fury's. Fine. I don't think it's great. I think so too. I think, think Fury is yeah. fine
1: as well. I, think, I mean, there's there's certainly elements of it that I uh, that I liked, um, but
0: the the main, the main problem I had with Fury was that it's like okay, we have a gruff character, and then Air is like, you know what? Let's add six more gruff characters on top of that, and so like everybody's a dick and an asshole. I, with that yeah, movie.
1: everyone has like their <laughs> own background, but the and then you know Logan Lerman is is like their new guy, and he's he's the uh, you know the. Basically, the guy who has to learn that war isn't pretty, and all these guys have been through, like, you know, tank battle after tank battle, and to me, it's like, you know, Boyce is a new guy in here, kind of like all of them are new guys, but nobody nobody ever brings it up ever again until, like, the ending, where it's like, oh, we're gonna go to Charlie Company now, it's like, oh, I thought we were gonna go home, and that's the only time it's ever brought up. So I get that they're different movies, but at the same time, I what I liked about this one again is that there's not a whole lot that you're given about these characters. While that might be you know, that actually sounds counterintuitive to what I've been saying for stuff like Wildlife and for First Man, where I was saying, like, I wish there was more character development. For this one, it's a type of movie where, because that didn't happen, it actually works to the film's advantage. Um, it might sound hypocritical, but I think if you watch movies, you'll, you'll kind of get the sense of, yeah, like when we think about something like, um, the FP or something like that, it's not so much that I need to know more about these characters. It's more that these characters and the actors are giving it their all on the screen and they believe in the script, even though the script might be ridiculous. But what they're making is something that is really cool and fun to watch. And well, yeah, so I, I mean, respect it's, them it's for not,
0: that. Not, not, not every movie requires the same thing to work, obviously. That's, yeah. that's the nature of movies. But even even then, I think you're underselling what they try to do here. Because I think the characters that matter do get development. And the, for the, sure. The, no, I, the way- I will
1: say that. I mean, I, again, I'm not saying that it's not as though we need to know, like, oh, and then, like, Tibbet has, like, a wife back home that he left for the war. Uh, and that he goes back home to see her, and she's like... You know, it's not like a, a God or King Kong type movie where John C. Riley shaves and goes home to his wife. It's more of just like, hey, by the way, you know, this guy is a dick at first. You get to like him. The person that I actually really uh, kind of felt the most for was, yeah, Tibbet, but this guy named Chase, who is like the photographer of the group. And I was like, oh shit, like you know, he doesn't have a whole lot to do, and there's not a whole lot that needs to be explained about him. But what happens to him? I was just like, man, like the way that he responds to what happens to him, I was like, "Oh, damn, this is a bummer. And then shit hits the fan kind of thing. so it's it's actually a really cool pacing strategy part on their half. But, yeah, and, um,
0: I, and I, I think and I, I you you asked about Wyatt Russell earlier, and I think he's very good here. That's the it's it is one that stood out to me as far as because I, I've seen him play basically the reverse of this character, someone that's not as, you know, kind of seemingly always mission on the mind type set. And here he's like that. He's he's kind of he has a he's he's underplaying every one thing, which is neat. But like his demeanor is so like dour it seems at the time. And he certainly he kinda opens up over the course of the film when he gets more violent. But like the way he's introduced fun. it is, but the way he's introduced is so like he's just kind of looking down and gruff at the in the front of the plane. Yeah, he's like he's not Nick Nolte
1: in in Tropic Thunder.
0: Exactly yeah, he's,
1: exactly. With all his limbs. <laughs> yeah, with um, all his limbs. But he's just like the quiet guy who's who's seen some stuff. But then I agree with you that there's more to him and that actually makes the character more fun and while I already liked him, I'm pretty sure audiences were like, yeah, I like this guy even more now.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. no, I, I... Again, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think this movie, for what it is... And even that sounds like a negative say for what it is, because I do think it's a well I think it's a well-accomplished movie regardless, even if Everything that we a said movie. about
1: it being in like a small single location with like four or five actors and actresses is an accomplishment, you know what I mean? You're never and, but bored, I, but I think
0: it's it's more of an accomplishment link. than I it's more of an accomplishment than I expected because it's, it's yeah. easily it easily could have been just like a here's a throwaway zombie movie that's set in the war that's fun right whatever and instead you get a movie that's I think it's incredibly well made you have some solid actors here mm-hmm. it's. It looks great. It's it sounds action. great, yeah. and I think it, it has like some meaning behind it as far as what it's trying to do. And it's okay. like, yeah, this this movie kicked ass. I was all yeah. I was really happy after watching the movie.
1: Totally, and I, and you know I, I definitely see your point of view. I think for me, the first third where where everything is going haywire and you're trying to get your bearings and you're hoping that they get to where they need to get to safely, um, that stuff is all great because I, I I was like really ramped up. I was I was actually I loved that part of the movie because it just was go 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 and mm-hmm. we don't know where we are and we oh, i know that the plot thickens right because we've all seen the trailer um and then they get to the house uh, uh in the nazi occupied uh town and that part drags a little bit for me because there's actually some intrigue with the aunt and nothing really happens but um you know he's got to they they do what they have to do in the town and then when things go haywire, that's, that's where it picks up for me again. But even then, I felt as though you had mentioned that if there's like a different cut of this where there's more last action zombie type of thing, mm-hmm. then I actually might be in the mix with that because while we saw, a few zombies. I, I was kind of curious as to seeing a little bit more of that, and maybe even having like this all out battle of zombies versus like these American, these four or five American troops, and then seeing what happens. Uh, I just
0: I, I think both because of the way the zombies are presented, yeah. it minimizes their impact because they seem like one is a threat. So it's like having a bunch of them, then having them easily be mowed down. That takes away, I think, from the drama of it, and just True. in general. I think having a, I mean, having a giant war against zombies.
1: I, I think that'd be actually kind of boring.
0: I, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think that take that also takes away from it. Again, I think that the, the horror aspect, the fact that it's not as big as I expected, made this movie better to me. So um,
1: I, I wanted to be a little bit bigger, but I, I agree with you that if it had been all out, like you know, the last like 40 minutes of it, just like zombies, and then uh-huh. telling these guys like, I'm reloading, and then getting picked off one by one, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be just like, what am I watching here? But, you know, I guess that I was also curious about the Wolfensteinness of it all and just uh, the way that they, they might uh, play that up, which maybe I wanted a little bit more of. But I wasn't disappointed for and sure. I can understand
0: that. I mean, and also, the movie does, it is a modest budget. Like, it's not a $100 million movie. So it's like, it? that. it's $38. Um, and, well, that's not bad at all. And every penny is on screen. Because, again, this movie looks and sounds amazing.
1: That's, <laughs> like that's $28 just... million more than Halloween, but I can understand it.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a no, but I film. agree with you that
1: that the money is on the screen because uh, the sound design is there, the set designs are there, the the mm-hmm. costuming is there, uh, the cinematography is there, and they have to blow a lot of shit up, and it's all there. So.
0: And I, I like the script is by Billy Ray and L. Smith, Captain Phillips and The Revenant. It's like it's such a great like. Yeah, we can make oh, prestige that's interesting. films. That's we can a make lot, prestige That's like films. not a lot of dialogue. Yeah, we can make prestige films, and we can make, like, gritty B-movies as well. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. fun that they, they decided to write this movie. <laughs>
1: right. So, I, you know, there's not a lot that is left to the imagination, which I'm glad because at one point, you know, there's, like, a, a serum that is introduced. And I thought to myself, I wonder if this guy, this German officer, is actually going to tell them what's going on. And uh, he doesn't, but they, but you don't have to wait long for to see what, what is happening with it. And I thought that part was really cool because... You know, what I did want to run into, what I did not want to run into was some characters believe it and some characters don't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. it's like, no, they're all on the same page now, and I'm glad that everyone is and everyone's gung-ho about what they have to do. The only part that I really didn't like was when Wyatt Russell um, gives a commanding order and somebody doesn't follow it, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about this, because in the military, you... You should probably follow those orders, but I get what they have to do.
0: So yeah, when would you say people should see Overlord?
1: You know, I actually think that it's, it's a fun little romp. There was like a, a, a family sitting next to me, and they were jumping at everything, which made my me jump. And so I, I kind of enjoyed it, because I, I'd say Dollar Theater.
0: I'd see this in a theater. Get, get, make this movie some money. So more things like this can, there's another thing I tweeted the other day where it's like, uh-huh. here's an original movie, not based on anything, no IP involved with a black lead and it bombed. And it's like, I, you hear the complaints where it's like, there's too many sequels and superhero movies. It's like, well, why didn't you show over this? <laughs> like it's yeah. it was the best new it was the best reviewed movie of the week. It came out That's and true. you're like I don't I shouldn't see this apparently. So it's like stop complaining if you don't want to see original things because you're not going to get them if you yeah. don't see them. There <laughs> so, was actually
1: uh, yeah there's actually some really good acting going on here too because there's at one point Jovan who plays Boyce the lead character. He's going full acting mode full dramatic acting mode and I was like holy crap. Like, what's this guy doing in this movie? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, not in a bad way. But it was just like this guy's, this guy's a real legitimate actor, and he's like really acting his ass off right now, and I appreciate it very much because he's acting opposite somebody who is like, you know, not the best actor, not the strongest actor, but I like that that uh, Javon is giving it his all. So again, I cannot ask for anything more than actors, actresses, uh, and everybody in a movie giving it their all because when they when that happens. You actually get something fun, even though the premise might be stupid and goofy. Um, and if you want, like, a, a big budget production example of that, that'd be something like Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz. Um, and I know that Hot Fuzz was, like, after they had some success, but Shaun of the Dead is one of those things where it's like, it's neither stupid. of them are
0: nearly as expensive. They're, they're the same price as Halloween.
1: <laughs> sure, totally. But, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, it's like a goofy premise. But the thing is, like, if, only, if one of those actors did not believe in it, you'd feel that the movie is actually kind of dumb. Um, oh,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: But the thing is like, oh, yeah, slow slow zombies and, uh, you know, let's throw some records and Queen and, and kind of tune into it. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's fun and it works. But then, you know, you have something that, where some of the actors don't believe or some of the actors are like over the top and you get something like Fury where John Bernthal is just like crazy and Charlie Wolf is pulling his own teeth out to be in character. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, yeah, uh, Overlord. Uh, it's a movie for yeah,
1: sure.
0: Yeah, go see it. One, one to go see. <laughs> Just go see it know, for
1: Volkin Woodbine. He's great in
0: it. It's, it's got a lot of fun stuff in it. Um, that long take though, towards the end, is great. I was so into that. <laughs>
1: Just, there was actually that that take, and I was like, I like. I was I was I was literally asking myself, "Is that a CG explosion or what?" So. Yeah, there's, there's
0: sure. a lot going on.
1: <laughs> there is, yeah, and I I, I dug it. All
0: right. Well, the, that's our review of Overlord. Let's move on. Let's get to some. Uh, let's get to some Out feedback.
1: feedback. Feedback, feedback,
0: This Is where we go over the various questions answered on our Facebook page, facebookcom podcast, or you, the listener, gave us answers to the various questions that we asked you, and then you Aga, gave us questions that we uh, will go over as well. So yeah, uh, let's get this started.
1: Uh, yeah, just like Pink, we got to get this party started on a Saturday night or a exactly. Friday night.
0: Wait, wait, before we get this started Holding. with the actual questions, I forgot the poll question. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, the poll question where every week we put two movies against each other and voting for one saves that film while voting the other off means we erase it from existence. Um, and so this week I went for Science Gone Wrong edition and I put up I Am Legend versus 28 Days Later. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So, bef- before we get to what the listener's response, Abe, where, where would you be in there?
1: This one that was pretty simple for me when I saw the poll. Uh, it's 28 Days Later. I'm saving that one. Because <laughs> I Am Legend, while I think that it actually is a cool use of fact act- fast acting zombies, um, I think there's actually a lot of questions that still remain uh, when I think about that movie. Um, but 28 Days Later, that was also fast acting zombies, but I love the world that they created because. Uh, that's the first one, right? Not, that's not the Jeremy Renner one, right?
0: It's not the better one, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Damn! <laughs> um, but there's actually uh, uh, some really neat stuff that they're doing in there with how you actually get... Um, it's actually... It's, I don't know if it... It is a zombie type thing, but it's like a rage zombie. And it's a virus, it like, but yeah. It's yeah. a virus, yeah. But it was actually a really cool way they did that they did it and also... I like the way that um, uh, it kind of set off. I don't know if it really set off anything ultra new, but I just I just like the way. Don't say
0: that it started fast done. zombies. We weren't seeing fast uh, zombies. Wasn't,
1: wasn't fast zombies something that we'd already seen? Maybe in like um...
0: no. This is your answer.
1: Okay, all right. So.
0: Twenty-eight days later is what what started that up.
1: Fast yeah, that, zombies, baby.
0: Yeah, that and then uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead a year later.
1: That's right. Yeah which opening uh, sequence very scary
0: uh it's a no-brainer for me as well 28 days later is the winner of this um easily go. i think it um it, it's very good. I, li- I mean, it's a Danny Boyle film, and I like Danny Boyle. It's very good. It gave us Killian Murphy. It had an effect on the genre. It brought back the zombie genre, which has been dormant for a while. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, yeah, there's no reason. is Between both the quality of the film and how it affects cinema, there's a lot of things to go with for 28 Days Later. Also, 28 Weeks Later is fucking fantastic. That movie's great. It has still haven't those- seen it. Has one of the best opening sequences of any horror movie. Um, it has a great Robert Carlyle performance. It has, it has a lot of solid four-horns in there. Idris Elba has solid horns in there. There's Idris a bunch
1: Elba, of now I have to go see it.
0: The movie's fantastic. It's, it is a superior sequel. It, it ends a whole lot better than it. 28 days later, I really like it. I think the ending is not great. 28 weeks later, consistent all the way through. Um, yeah, Rose Byrne, Jeremy Jeremy Renner, like everybody's in there. It's great. There's so much good going on in this movie. There you uh, go. And if about twenty eight days later, I wouldn't get twenty eight weeks later. So yeah, that's the one I vote. You for. need
1: it. Yeah. yeah,
0: I am legend. Will Smith is very good in it. I don't think the movie's that great. So he's good go. in it
1: up until the third act.
0: Yeah, there's there's a great there's a great first third. There's a decent second third, and then the, it just shits the bed. Like that's yep. what happens. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, the poll not necessarily too surprising to me. I I. I, I no, really, I thought I figured 20 days later it would win, and it did, 14% to 86% the poll. So. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, that's the poll. I've added I Am Legend to the list. It's no longer in existence, so there you go. I
1: don't know what you're talking about.
0: I don't either. I don't know what we're talking about. Let's get to some questions. Why we stop doing questions? Let's go. The to first question there.
1: we have is, who are your favorite cinematic military men? Philip has Baron Nishi, the Equestrian Olympic gold medalist, in Letters from Iwo Jima, and Hal Morin, We Were Soldiers. Mike Jones has Marines from Aliens. Let's rock. That's what I add. Uh, Jim has Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now, Arlie Ermey in Full Metal Jacket. Chris writes Lieutenant Aldo Rain and Captain Miller. Where's Captain Miller from?
0: Uh, Sam and Ryan. Sam and Okay. It's Tom Hanks'
1: character. I'm um, an English teacher. Um, Christopher <laughs> has Jarhead, Heartbreak Ridge, or Heartbreak Ridge The Losers Inglorious Glorious Bastards, Red Tails, Aaron's... Like least favorite movie, uh, Tigerland, Apocalypse Now, Captain America: Colin the Last Avenger.
0: He probably meant the first Avenger. <laughs> uh,
1: the Last Avenger being, you know, he, he's getting, he's gearing up for Avengers four. Yeah. Uh,
0: Tigerland's. Tigerlands <laughs> I was gonna say good. Tigerland.
1: That's, that's a great call.
0: That's a, that's a really good movie. Uh, Colin Farrell. Was Colin was Farrell, sweet. yeah. That was his breakout role, and yeah, that's a really good Joel Who Schumacher. That? Was that Joel Schumacher?
1: Joel Schumacher. Yeah, yeah I was like Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's a, that's a really good one. Um, I would throw in uh, Alec Guinness and The Bridge on the River Kwai. Um, mm-hmm. It's a terrific movie to ever So there you go. And uh, a, a good Veterans Day uh, this past week to everyone that's served and everything. Yeah. Uh, let's see, next question. Favorite films that cross genres together? Uh, Chris writes From Dust Till Dawn and after next week, probably Overlord. <laughs> uh, I'll be curious if you saw it. Uh, write us back. Write us if you watched Overlord and tell us what you thought. Uh, Justin has Star Wars, sci-fi and and western. Uh, Mike has Alien, horror and sci-fi. And Philip has Cloud Atlas. Um,
1: That one crosses generations and uh, time and space.
0: Yeah. Um, my default answer is obviously from Dust Till Dawn. Um, and I will say I look forward to the time separated from uh, Overlord's marketing where people see this movie at random and think it's a World War II movie, and then discover that it's also a zombie movie. Because I look the way, for, did
1: I, you watch that one zombie movie? What's it called? Snow, snow zombie.
0: Dead ver- Dead, <laughs> dead snow. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I've seen yeah, dead Are snow, and good? I have. I have Dead Snow too. Two uh, two's better. Um, okay. I think they're I think they're both good. They're both fun. Uh, two
1: they're actually similar did... to Overlord.
0: No, they're not. Yeah, they're not similar to Overlord. They're more they're they're out, they're out and out comedies that happen to have zombie <laughs> okay. Nazis in them. <laughs> All right. Uh, the first one is like a riff on Evil Dead that just happens to have <laughs> like literally it like references Evil Dead heavily, like to the point <laughs> of mentioning the movie by name. Um,
1: and just the really getting one, into it. <laughs>
0: The second one is a lot of fun. Like it, it really, it takes it even further. It actually yeah. delivers on the thing that you're asking for in overlord, as far as Just like an epic,
1: this, uh, an, epic yeah, an epic ending. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I might go check it out then. Do I have to see yeah. them in sequential order? Yes. Okay. All
0: right. Very much do.
1: Yeah. The, the it. one depends. So it's like on... Wolf Warrior and Wolf Warrior Two. Got it. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. We went there. So anyway, let's get to the next question. Uh, what's a film you enjoy that focuses on sticking it to the Nazis? Alan has uh, Saving Private Ryan. Mark from the show... Well, Alan's from the show as well, so sorry about that, Alan. <laughs> uh, Alan from the show says Saving Private Ryan. Alan, or Mark from the show has Raised of the Lost Ark and the Blues Brothers. Uh, Todd, has, Todd has The Rocketeer. Joe Jans has Ralph uh, uh, Bakshi's Wizards. Uh, Eric has Inglorious Bastards, and Chris Echoes with Inglorious Bastards, and lastly, Mike Jones has any movie where the Nazis die. Um, that's likely all of them, except for maybe something from, uh, Inglorious <laughs> Bastards starring, uh, Frederick Zoller.
0: Um, in, in Gore, I mean, Gore's badge is easily my answer to this question. There's no, no debate Got about it. that. Right. Um, but the Rocketeer, I like that. That's a good call. I like that one in there. And yeah, the 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 two out of four Indiana Jones movies that deal with World War II, sure, those count. Why not?
1: You're not talking about the one where they pull hearts out of people's chests.
0: That's that's not. There's no World War II yet, so. <laughs> I know no it's, it's a
1: prequel. That's like a prequel sequel.
0: Yeah, there's no Nazis in there. <laughs> Uh, the Blues Brothers, Mark has some good answers. Blues Brothers is a good one, too. That's a, yeah. that's a good answer. The Illinois Nazis. Uh, Alright, next question. Uh, do you enjoy seeing various movie series continue on while changing up key players involved? What ones, co- would, what ones could use a shake-up, but what ones shouldn't change? This is a reference to The Girl in the Spider's Web, which also opened this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam writes, Fast and the Furious needs a shake-up. The Bond franchise needs a new James Bond.
1: Um... Yeah, Fast and Furious, I mean, definitely, well, I mean, they're getting their own spin-off series, serieses now. The Bond franchise, aren't Daniel Craig's back, but then, I mean, they they typically change those every three, four movies, right?
0: Yeah, he's he's got one left, which will make him have the, not the most, but he'll have, he'll be tied with um, Connery.
1: What's the most? Is that five? Uh,
0: Roger Moore has seven?
1: Seven? That's a lot.
0: If not eight, I think it's seven. Pretty okay. Sure it's
1: seven. That is quite a bit. And uh, how many James Bond movies are there?
0: This will be 24. Well,
1: that's a lot of James Bond movies. Or
0: 25. Okay. Yeah, 25.
1: Bond 25? Okay, yeah. yeah. That sounds familiar. Okay.
0: Hmm. Yeah, Bond 25. Got 20, it. 2020. Um, all right, next question is, uh, is there a Dr. Seuss book that could actually work as a feature-length movie? There's a reference to The Grinch, which made a ton of money, and I don't care about it whatsoever.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard uh, mixed negative reviews.
0: I've heard that it's an Illumination movie. Uh, Philip writes, only if Wes Anderson writes it. <laughs> Justin has uh, Wacky Wednesday. Uh, Luke has Horton Here's a Who was not bad. Uh, Rachel has 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. His one screenplay has the potential for a remake. Tyler writes Butter Battle Book. Alan, in front of the show, he has Dr. Seuss and Mister Geisel, which is a biography about Dr. Seuss. <laughs> so you think that would work as a feature? So
1: featuring. that would work as like a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Is there one that you can think of?
0: I mean, one of my favorites is Go Dog Go. And if the Secret Life of Pets didn't already exist, I think there'd be a good chance to make like a fun, either like an, an anthology film or an ensemble like animated movie that's just like about like. Things dogs do, right. Or something yeah. like that. I mean, like, I think there's potential there, but things no, that dogs do—they huh?
1: they go car racing, and when they were like, you know, we'll just like silly,
0: yeah, like a silly series of skits yeah. with like interconnected characters or something like that. I think there's potential, or something like that, right?
1: But... And the other the potential that I think about—the um, answer to my my answer to this question is yes, there is a book that can work as a feature-length movie. I'm almost, almost certainly, all of them, but it really takes a certain special someone or some some group. To make it work. And the example I think of is cloud with inches and meatballs, which is like a 19 page book. And Chris Miller and Phil Lord made this really funny, like 90 minute movie out of it, which is Mm -hmm. it touches on the book, but there's not like a whole lot in common with it, you know, so except for like, uh, the meatballs coming out of the sky.
0: That's a good point because, like, I'm ready to say, like, no because the books are too short and they just don't seem to work. But, yeah, you're exactly right. That's a perfect example of how you expand something and make it work better. So I just wish that better people were involved in these the, yeah, movies that answer. already happened because, yeah, I was massively disappointed in the Jim Carrey Grinch film.
1: Um That's that, whor- that's too long, by the way. That's, like, it's... That, yeah. it's it's like two hours, and it's a two-hour movie or something like that, and that's too it's, long. It's,
0: it's longer than it needs to be. Yeah. Um, we don't need to talk about Cat in the Hat. The Lorax
1: was like a war crime. Like, it's just like these movies. <laughs> Wait, in theme or in movie? Because in theme, it's kind of a war crime thing, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, both. I, I know what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, like, it just they haven't had a good run. People are like, you know, Illumination makes movies that are palatable, so it's like, I, yeah, I'm not surprised that the Grinch made a bunch of money and is, like, satisfying to an audience. It's colorful. Yay, it occupies time. Um, but it's like, I just, I, you know, the Seuss stuff, there's so, there is so much potential for it. And I just wish it be capitalized on in a better manner.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, now we get to our questions. We had one question. This was from Adam. He asks um, about the future of Hulu. Should Hulu and Disney Plus merge since we'll both be owned by Disney? Uh, So he's referencing both Hulu and the Disney+, Plus, which is the new name for the Disney streaming service that will be arriving next year. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Short answer, yeah, sure. Longer answer, probably not because, you know, we need some competition in the streaming business as well. And uh, as everything is starting to stream these days, I'm I'm kind of worried about uh, some of the ways in which we have to watch Marvel movies or Disney movies or what have you because... It's probably going to be pulled from other services uh, and put the, onto Disney Plus.
0: The interesting thing that I've heard about this Disney Plus is its presentation, wh- where it's not just going to be like a copy of Netflix, but Disney instead. It's going to be like a Disney park where they're like that they're going to have worlds for these things. There's going to be like a Star Wars world where you can do all the streaming stuff for Star Wars stuff, and a Marvel world where you can do all this stuff. Like it's it's it looks like it has some. They're not just you know. It doesn't look like they're just putting a Disney skin on top of a streaming service. It looks like mm-hmm. they're really trying to make something like an experience out of it, which I admire, and I like, and i I like that more than just putting everything into one basket. If you if you actually have something worthwhile, as far sure. as how to, how to how to how to deliver on it. So Hulu, you know, they. I believe what they have, like NBC and Fox and a few others. Yeah,
1: Hulu streaming services, yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so it's like, I'd rather see that say its own thing so it can focus entirely on the TV stuff still and its own original content that they have while Disney does its own thing. Also because, yeah, it's nice to see, like, a separation between these and not just have one giant conglomerate own every single thing in existence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, Disney's getting to a level where it's starting to own a lot of stuff anyway. But, um, yeah, it'd be great to... Continuously have uh, some competition, but also just different ways in which you can catch uh, some of your favorite stuff, whether that be Disney films or whether that's just like something that uh, is uh, some sort of grindhouse channel on Hulu that you can only get on Hulu.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, thanks for that question, Adam.
1: Thanks, Adam.
0: Uh, we love getting questions, by the way. It's been like somewhat dry with the questions recently. and I think it's...
1: Everyone, Everyone's been busy with Halloween. That's why.
0: No, yeah, I think it's a mix of just time and what have you and everything. But it's like as much as we like getting the answers to our feedback questions, it is feedback, fun feedback, answering feedback. questions. You can, yeah, thank you. It is fun getting questions <laughs> as well. So yeah, be sure to pay attention to the, uh, the old out Now Facebook page because I, I try to make everything happen as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. All right. That was all my
1: feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback.
0: Let's uh, start wrapping things up. Let's move on to at now these movies that are coming out on uh, Blu-ray, 4K, streaming, everything. Uh, so let's go over that. First up, all the Blu-ray stuff. First up, The Meg.
1: I had fun. I'm okay with it. Uh, Alpha. I did not see it. I heard it was actually kind of cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard good things. So I look yeah. forward to eventually watching it on Netflix. Maybe I should
1: have <laughs> seen it in IMAX because I've heard that there's actually some cool sequences.
0: Yeah, the visuals I heard are pretty great.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Mile 22. Let me just remind you that this is a movie that ends with a say hi to your mother for me joke. And it's presented non-ironically, which is so strange.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Does he say that? Does Mark Wahlberg say that? And then he shoots some guy in the head?
0: No, Iku Uwe says that to Mark Wahlberg, and it's like, where did this come? And it makes sense in the <laughs> logic of the
1: film, but it's like,
0: how is how is a movie? How is this movie ending with
1: that? It's uh, so weird. Did it's they so weird. to Mark Wahlberg giving a wry smile?
0: As I as I said on the podcast when I I think I talked about it in our I quickies. Remember. It, it, it seems as if he's been holding this grudge against that joke and decided to make a movie entirely like built backwards from that. Like that's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah.
1: Andy Samberg really feels the uh, the lesson here. <laughs>
0: um, let's see, Juliet Naked. This is the, I've uh,
1: heard interesting things about this movie.
0: Yeah, this one's with Rose Byrne, um, Chris O'Dowd, and Ethan Hawke, and it's from a Nick Horn Nick Hornby wrote the uh, the screenplay. Um, it's good. It's a solid. It's a solid rom com.
1: Good to hear. Yeah, I love Chris O'Dowd.
0: Yeah. Uh, final score. This is the one of Dave Batista. It's Die Hard in a soccer stadium. It's. Uh, it's a, Wait, what? It came out on streaming. I talked about it in the quickies like a little while ago. It's, it's good. It's it's really okay. it's, the best, it's the best Die Hard movie of the year.
1: Because I'm starting to grow. Dave Batista's starting to grow on me, so he's, I, I he's like He's good.
0: It. He's really good. It's solid. Yeah, yeah, it's a solid
1: watch. Yeah. Pierce
0: Brosnan's in it. Uh, Ray Holy Stevenson's what? in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a solid movie.
1: Is Ray Stevenson uh, David Hage's brother? He's,
0: he's, he's the Hans Gruber of the movie.
1: Oh, okay. Because he's like a huge dude as well, so it'd be funny if they were brothers.
0: No, but I mean, he's huge because you need him to fight somebody. So it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
1: I agree. You can't have him fighting a uh, freaking, uh, what's his face? Dolph Lundgren.
0: Yeah. Well, Dolph Lundgren's busy. Have you seen the Aquaman posters?
1: Is he in Aquaman?
0: <laughs> yeah, he's riding a seahorse in the poster. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i forgot he was cast in that movie so when when you
1: said that i I imagined the the actual size of a seahorse and i was like that's a funny image (laughs) but it must be genetically engineered seahorse
0: i forgot he was in the movie and then all the character posters came out last week and i'm like all right yeah there's that one that wait dolph Lundgren, and he's riding a seahorse what
1: (laughs) again if he's riding an actual size seahorse that'd be great
0: um uh let's see what else olaf's frozen adventure
1: That was the twenty-minute thing in front of um, Coco. Coco, and people were complaining that it was too long.
0: And they took it off. That's (laughs) right. uh, But that's out on Blu-ray this week, along with uh, Volume Three of Pixar short films. So you can get all. Wow. So Hmm. all those are available in a collection.
1: Are Academy Award-winning
0: Star Trek Discovery Season One for Star Trek? Is that
1: the one with Michelle Yeoh? Yes. Okay, got it.
0: Michelle Yeoh, I think was it um, Jason Isaacs. Uh, it's got people. I don't. Yeah. Know. I don't care about Star Trek or so whatever. Have fun. Oh boo! Uh, the Crown season two. If you don't have Netflix, there. <laughs> um, <laughs> preacher season three. Uh, I'm a watch preacher this show. fan. Yeah. I'm a. i am write about it. I am a fan. Um, it's good. Um, let's see. The Rambo trilogy is now on 4K.
1: Can I ask you a question about that? Sure. Why would they only have a trilogy?
0: I think I think Rambo's already on 4K. I think that's why.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Because I was like, you know, there are more than three Rambo's. Yeah, I There's know. One I called just, Rambo.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that. I think they already put that out in 4K, and it's yeah. like, okay, now we do the other three as well. Um, let's see. The Ice Harvest is on Blu-ray for the first time. That's oh, big not fan the of the one movie. where he
1: left all the clues.
0: That's that. Yeah, that's the Snowman. <laughs> 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 it's, uh, it's like from 2005. I left all the clues. With uh, John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton. I'm a big fan of this one. It's a, it's a Harold Ramis film he directed. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, like, that's like a dark comedy type thing,
0: right? It, yeah, it's a dark comedy. It's good. I, I like The Ace Harvest a lot. Um, okay. Let's see. Single White Female is out on Shout Factory Blu-ray this Scorny week. Scorny Weaver? No, uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh yeah. and, <laughs> and Bridget Fonda. I'm
1: thinking of Copycat.
0: Copycat, yeah. There's a lot of those.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Actually, is it Copycat? There's an eye for an eye. That's another No, one. A
1: Copycat's the one with Scorny Weaver.
0: <laughs> okay yeah uh, let's see some like it hot is that on criterion this week uh, jack lemon tony curtis marilyn monroe it's okay. a fantastic comedy um and lastly the marine six close quarters
1: is that also with john cena
0: <laughs> no oh, john, cena, john cena he's only in the first he doesn't he, he's a big movie star now he doesn't need to do marine sequels
1: okay i mean you know maybe it's some good some good side cash
0: He's got Bumblebee coming out this year. He doesn't even do it Marine 6.
1: Who's, who's in Marine 6?
0: Let me see. I'm looking it up. <laughs> I
1: was like, if it, if you, it, this is like uh, when I learned that there were more than three uh, Scorpion Kings. I was like, or, jar,
0: or Jarhead movies.
1: The first Jarhead is actually a serious drama. It's, yeah, it's, it's amazing
0: it's... that there's sequels to Jarhead. Exactly. <laughs> all... it,
1: that's actually a really good callback to First Man, where people thought that Jarhead was going to be like this war action movie instead it's actually this contemplative movie about whether this kid should have even joined the military um, and that's kind of same thing as about first man it's it's a it's a uh, solo personal journey
0: and then Jamie Foxx says, ooh. um, um in, in in the marine six is Mike the Miz Mizanin.
1: is he a wrestler
0: I don't maybe and Sean Michaels so
1: Sean Michaels is a wrestler so I'm yeah. going to guess that they're both wrestlers <laughs>
0: But the the IMDB photo of Mike the Miz Mizanin is like, oh, this is this looks like John Cena's goofy cousin. <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to any Mike the Miz fans out there who want to
1: get him upset.
0: I'm sure or he's a terrific guy.
1: Or any uh, WWE fans.
0: Yes, he's a WWE guy. I'm seeing his, his credits here. He was in the Marine Four, so okay, he's a Marine regular.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should watch some of these now, just to see whether whether we want to talk about them.
0: Yeah, we should watch all of them. The Miz. No, is not all stuff. of
1: them. Please, not all of them.
0: No, we're watching all of them. I decided. He's in the Marine 5 as well. Yeah, he's in, let's see, is he in Marine 3? <laughs> let, me, let me go back on the, the time here.
1: <laughs>
0: yep, he's in Marine 3. Is he in Marine 2? Is he the guy, is he the Marine, like, in all these movies? Wait let's
1: a minute, see. if he's the Marine in all the movies, is he the actual Marine in Marine 1?
0: <laughs> he was wearing a John Cena mask.
1: <laughs> he's a, yeah. Or he's like John Cena's best friend that takes over the franchise.
0: Okay, he, I don't think he's in the Marine 2. This is very important. Hold on, guys. <laughs> I agree.
1: This is, this is like Sniper, you know, Sniper yeah, 1, he, 2, and 3 with yeah, Tom, yeah, Tom 1, 2, 3. Bergeron.
0: Yeah, no, he's not in the Marine 2. That'd be Ted DiBiase Jr.
1: Yeah, okay, well, good on and, him and, for getting a lead and, uh, acting role.
0: And Django fed himself Tamora Morrison. Django uh, fed is in that movie. Yeah, and, and Marine 2. Which is okay. just the Marine 2. There's no subtitle on Marine 2. All the other ones do. Absolutely. Yeah, uh,
1: Well, you know, when you're when you're the one that comes up next, you just probably are just the number two.
0: Yeah, you have Marine 3 Homefront, which I actually think I have in my pile of DVDs to give away.
1: Oh, I thought you meant like you just bought it because you were actually curious about it. I was like, why would you buy this?
0: No, that'd be the kind of thing that like my friend Scooter would buy me if it was like a joke gift. Scoot! Yeah. Uh, the Marine 4 Moving Target and the Marine 5 Battleground. This is way too much Marine talk. Anyway.
1: <laughs> a lot of Marine talk. Marine 4, yeah. great cover. I'm looking at it right
0: yeah. now. Yeah,
1: no, yeah. Okay. That looks like a fight. That those, are like things
0: are, those are things coming out on Blu-ray this week. Let's go on to Netflix. next. Netflix, we've we got a couple things. First up is Outlaw King, which I watched. This is the David McKenzie film we directed Hell or High Water, starring Chris Pine it is basically Braveheart 2, because it follows Robert the Bruce, who is played by Angus McFadden in Braveheart, and his story that happens after William Wallace is killed at the end of Braveheart. Um, it's, uh, it's very violent. <laughs> is <laughs> it's it? A, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, it's, it's, it's good. Like, I'd say it's a good movie. It's worth watching, especially because it's on Netflix, so it's not like it's that hard to watch. Um, it's basically just a straightforward action movie that happens to be set in this time period. In like the 1300s in Scotland and England. So it's like so it's like it's not there's not much going on as far as like political intrigue or like prestige performances. But as far as like a, a really down and dirty action movie involving Scots versus Brits, it's like, yeah, it works. <laughs> it does it's job. Um, and, and we're also
1: going to get a Mary Queen of the Scots coming up, so there's more Scots versus Brits. Oh, yeah, there's
0: more, more Scots versus Brits coming. But yeah, Chris Pine's good. Aaron Taylor-Johnson's actually very good in it. He plays, like, a crazy sidekick,
1: essentially. I mean, the question <laughs> is, when is he not good in something, though?
0: I didn't like him in, uh, what's it, Anna Karenina.
1: Okay, fair. I like Jude a lot more.
0: <laughs> yeah, we both like Jude a lot more. Mark <laughs> yeah. Homan's the one that's a big fan of Anna Karenina. <laughs> And we didn't like him in, um, what is it, Wargasms, the, um,
1: the uh, uh, Savages. I know exactly what you were talking about when you said that, because I was like, yeah, he doesn't have Orgasm. He has Wargasm. By the, the way, sav- where is Taylor Kitsch? We need to talk to Taylor Kitsch's agent and get, a, get him on our show then.
0: Get some Kitsch movies going. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Green Rooms also on Netflix as well, which is great. I also
1: oh. want to uh, mention that I was scrolling through the Netflix catalog this past week, and Black Dynamite is on Netflix. Oh, cool! Dynamite.
0: Yeah. And on Prime this week, Gotti.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on.
0: All right. So that's what's out now. Uh, next week's show. Next week, um, will we have Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald?
1: Um, I think it's pronounced Grindelwald.
0: I don't care. And <laughs> how uh, dare you? <laughs> and widows.
1: Uh yeah, oh, I don't know. know. I I'm looking forward to both actually one more than the other. But um uh, I'm certainly looking forward to uh to how it's gonna come down toward the award season where we're gonna get some pretty uh dramatic movies.
0: Yeah, I um we'll talk about this if we wanna do like a double episode or talk about one or the other more, but um yeah, there's certainly it's a big release schedule. <laughs> there's also the I was, going to talk to you about the, I was going to talk to you about this afterwards, but I think because um, like the Buster Scruggs, the Coen Brothers movie, comes out on Netflix right. also, I feel like we're going to have some downtime going on in between, in a couple weeks here, between like giant releases. So maybe we should just have like a Netflix episode where we talk about a lot of the new Netflix releases from big directors. First of
1: all, if that's still playing in theaters for its limited run, I'd love to see that in theaters.
0: Yeah, I, I would definitely say check out these movies in theaters if you can. I've been lucky enough to and I've been lucky enough to see most of these big Netflix movies that are coming out in on the big screen, and it's been great. So it's like I, I wish audiences could see something like Roma on the big screen more so than on is the small that screen.
1: Going to come on the big screen?
0: Yeah, it, that's that's literally the reason why they're on that big screens because it's like everyone really wants to get Alfonso. Caron's no, no, totally, movie, totally,
1: totally. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I know that that uh, in order to qualify for award season, you have to have it played on the big screen, premiere on the big screen. I, think and like, then, I would love it, to rather. I would rather watch Roma on the big screen because the trailer is beautiful.
0: Yeah. Um, well, well. Well. Anyway, we'll talk more about these movies and whatnot in the sure. weeks to come. But yeah, um, things are happening in the coming weeks. And next week we get Grindelwald and you. and uh, Widows. Um, all right. Last thing: what should people see now, and what do we plan to see next? Abe, what should the people see?
1: Uh, Yeah, you should go uh, see Overlord if you have time, and if you still haven't seen Halloween, I'd recommend Halloween. Uh, Next is uh, Fantastic Beasts, and I definitely am really, really looking forward to Widows as well for some good things.
0: Uh, Yeah, Overlord I would definitely recommend because it's a ton of fun. If you want to have less fun but still a good time at the movie theaters, Hate You Give is Mm -hmm. still in theaters and certainly deserves a bigger audience because it's very good. Um, And uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? That's playing. I like that movie a lot. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's, uh, go go see that too that's with melissa mccarthy right
0: yeah her best performance i would say wow and um yeah fantastic i'm literally seeing fantastic beasts in like
1: four hours
0: seven hours from now so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um yeah so that, well, with all that said that's gonna do it for this week's episode about now third and name you can find more of my blog at you can find more of my work at my personal blog, at All my stuff is there. Um, all my reviews are – my movie reviews is are at uh, We Live Entertainment, including my write-ups for Walking Dead. And you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4.
1: It- Check me out over on Instagram, Abe.Mua, Twitter.com slash moose hashtag GetCelsior, and Sub640, the podcast.
0: I guess I should say my Instagram and Twitter are both Aaron's PS4, if people are that concerned with these I things. I
1: wasn't sure, because I thought people already knew, because, you know, you've had the same one for years now. Yeah, well. or seemingly, I change it every month.
0: <laughs> it seems that way, yeah.
1: Only for I the can't Instagram wait. handle, though.
0: I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 my your Twitter's...
1: Walter, yeah, Walrus Smith is here to stay.
0: <laughs> and it's so upbeat and lively all the time too you can't, I mean, you can't if, you,
1: if you care about the warriors that's all you're gonna see and maybe some political commentary
0: um yeah you can find all the other episodes about now if they over on itunes audio boom audio boom spotify and stitcher
1: you can listen to at hhwd soundcloud or automatic
0: feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on this week's show at OutNowPodcast at gmail.com
1: Send us comments, questions, uh, whatever you want, images, whatever you want, over at Facebook.com slash OutNowPodcast. Or tweet them at us at Twitter.com slash OutNow underscore podcast.
0: And, of course, send us plenty of gifts of Grindelwald doing things with scary (laughs) clowns over at OutNowPodcast.tumblr.com. Question for
1: you. Mm -hmm. I know that you haven't seen the movie yet, but Grindelwald was originally... A scary clown? Colin Farrell, and now he's Johnny Depp. Would you have preferred Colin Farrell or Johnny Depp?
0: As you might recall, and I feel like I was in the minority on this, I didn't think Colin Farrell was very good in, in Fantastic Interesting. Beasts.
1: I, and I don't that, recall this. Now we have to save this for next week.
0: That was a movie I otherwise really liked. And yeah, I, I remember
1: I remember you and I were both surprised by it. Yeah, I was to, like, surprised by how the much I liked guests.
0: it. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was surprised by how much I liked the first one. So, like, by default, I'm looking forward to this movie. I want it to be good. Um, but I mean, as far as the – I don't know. I don't have enough investment to care yeah, enough yeah. about who's cast in this role. It's like, okay, you got to – and I know Johnny like Johnny Depp's not like the, the, the most popular guy to be a fan of right now. But it's like, he's Johnny Depp. He'll do his makeup routine and whatever. He'll probably sure. be good. Like yeah. I, All right. So we'll see. Yeah, I'll see. I'll also watch the movie, then I'll tell you next week if I think Colin Farrell would have been a better person <laughs> to have in here. Because <laughs> I generally really like Colin Farrell, so I'm like, here. why is he? Why is he the one that makes me feel down in this movie? Everything else I really liked, but whatever. Right. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, with all that said, uh, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. Of Out now, and Abe. I think we're we're good, right, Abe?
1: Well, I think we're good.
0: Good show. Good show. So until next time. So long. And goodbye. Chuck Berry of this rap skits, styles I mastered Many brothers snatched it up and tried to match it But I'm still number one, everyday real Speak what I want, I don't care what y'all feel Cause I'm my own master My pop told me be your own boss Keep integrity at every
1: cost, And his home was Natchez Mississippi did it like Miles and Dizzy Now we getting busy Bridging the gap from the blues to jazz to rap The history of music on this track Born in the game, discovered My father's music like French Searching through boxes of purple rain But my Minneapolis was the bridge Home of the super kids I'm a well-known, some doing bids I might have ended up on the wrong side of the tracks If Pops wouldn't have pulled me back And said, yo, yo Yeah, I come from Mississippi I was young and running wild Uh Ending up in New York City, New York, where I had my first child. That's me, y'all. I named the boy myself Yeah. All the boys call him now. That's what's up. I told him as a youngster, he'll be the greatest man alive. greatest man alive. Yeah. great. Turn great. It up. The greatest greatest man The blues came from gospel, gospel from blues.
0: The slaves are harmonizing them odds and o's. But, I'm um, not going to put down Justice Smith for being annoying in Jurassic World. Every Jurassic Park movie has annoying kids. That's part of the series. Jim like, and going... weren't
1: that annoying. They actually served a purpose at the end.
0: They're annoying. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> they, all, they all serve a purpose. The second one kicks a raptor with gymnastics. Doesn't mean they're not annoying. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about
1: that. That was Jeff Goldblum's daughter in the movie. She does you know like... The-
0: <laughs> and then in Jurassic, and then in the third one, they're like, cover yourself with this T-Rex pee and be camouflaged. Like, they're all annoying, but they all, yeah, they have a all purpose. All right, good, good,
1: fair point, fair point.
0: And so, then the other ones are like, we're in bubbles and we're running around and we're all crazy. Like, Yeah, man,
1: it's, it, well, it turned, it's uh, the, the kid from uh, Love, Simon, who decides to go take and, his brother from, from... Uh, Insidious. What, Insidious, yeah, exactly. Off the beaten path, and so they get into trouble. But um, he's, yeah, no. he's just
0: uh, he's honoring a time honored tradition of annoying kids in Jurassic Park movies. <laughs> so fair, great for point. That.
1: Great point. This is a fair point.